Hey, it's Josh Williams here again, and welcome to yet another bonus episode of the One Man Podcast. Uh, today's a very special episode. Uh, it was going to be part of episode six, but since I've started doing these interviews, I've decided it's uh, maybe a little bit better to do these interviews as their own side things. They're not so much about me, but the person I'm talking to. Today is a very good friend of mine, uh, a comedy mentor, and uh, lots of lots of special things. A friend, a brother, a father figure. Also comedy mentor, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm trying to, to beef you up here because we might take the piss out of you a bit. But uh, it's comedian, uh, absolute comedy owner, uh, Jason Lawrence is here with me today. Um, so just a little bit of a background on Jason, guys. Jason was uh, was a comedian. Um, he worked for Yuck Yucks, and he left Yuck Yucks to create Absolute Comedy, which is a staple here in Ottawa. So Jay's going to be my guest today. Uh, a little note, too, on our uh, our new sponsor. Um, I probably talk about them in episode six, but since this is being recorded before episode six, uh, they just dropped off some supplies for us, Summersby. So thank you very much to Summersby. They dropped us off a new flavor. I talked about that in episode five, that they have a new flavor coming out which is red rhubarb. So that's their summer flavor this year. Uh, and that's what Jay and I are going Isn't to Isn't rhubarb like a weed in your garden? You I think it is. I never really enjoyed rhubarb, but I like Summersby. I like what they did. I'm not a big elderflower lime person either, but they did a well, good you job. You want to try this one. now? And get this yeah, going. we're going to open this up. So this is what Jay, from our sponsors, Summersby, red rhubarb, their new, it you know, big good. announcement. Yeah, it's, it's very great. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to try it for the first time. Oh. You think it'll grow on you like rhubarb? It smells good. <laughs> what about the taste? I like it. I think it tastes good. Yeah, it does taste good. I'm not a big cider fan, so. Right. It's one of those things you have to be in the mood for. Yeah, one or two it. of them, definitely. I can, eight of those, you get like a wine headache. But oh, I like them. Still, yeah. it's still delicious. Very popular. So yeah. be, is amazing. They're a credible product. Yeah. Be. And available at Absolute Comedy. Oh, they are. Of fact, them yeah. there during the show. Enjoy them during the show. So yeah. So that's, if you hear us slurping away, we are enjoying our Summer's Bee Red Rhubarb, their new flavor this summer. Uh, you guys be the judge too. Try it and uh, and see. Now they had, I was talking to uh, Petter the Rep this morning when he dropped these off and he was saying that they used to have a citrus one. And I was asking about that because I said, that's the only one I haven't tried. And apparently the citrus one was not that great. So they're very smart. If something doesn't do it, they'll pull it off the shelf. Um, so yeah, so starting, um, like I said, today I'm talking to Jay. Uh, I've got uh, a lot of questions for him. And because a lot of you, my listeners, are not comedians, this is the kind of interview a lot of comedians want to hear. Jason is, I mean, not to, to kiss your ass or anything, but Jason's a pretty big deal in the comedy world. He's he's created something very special at Absolute Comedy. And, uh, you know, a lot of comedians want to play his club. So I will be asking questions that will help, you know, comedians give them some answers. Um, but at the same time, I want to make this interesting for anybody who's not a comedian, who's just maybe a fan of comedy or stand-up or, or wants to know more about, you know... Um, just sort of how the comedy world works. I know episode one, somebody asked about that. So just know that these questions are going to be going back and forth from stuff that's specifically for comics for, for everybody too. So um, I want to start because this is Jason's first time on the podcast by asking you, uh, Jay, how did you get into stand up comedy? A lot of people have asked you about starting absolute, but what were your beginnings in stand up comedy? Uh, I think I just did the, everyone told me I was funny. I think it was one of those things. I think I was comics. Although like comics, they did, but they're told they're, they're just funny in person, right? So my, yeah. I remember my aunt was one of the big proponents of that. She said, you should be a comic. I remember watching comedy on TV. I just thought, I'm going to try this. I remember just my friends all bugged me. I put, put a little act together and went and did it on open mic in, at Yuck Yucks. So that was oh, my, yeah? my, my first start was at Yuck Yucks on, uh, on the old Albert Street location. Do you remember when that was? Not to put like a date on it or anything like that, but do you remember the year that it was? God, I can remember the year, but I was 23 and I'm now 40. So... <laughs> 
close to 50. We won't out you for that. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to make you say your age, but just maybe like in terms of... seven years ago? It goes quick, eh? I'm, I'm, I'm I think I still, have the, I think I still have the first check I ever got from Yuck Yucks, a $15 check for my first ever paid spot upstairs. Yeah? Yeah, I think that I, was... I remember, maybe if there's time later, I'll tell the, the story of the first time you gave me a paid gig at Absolute. Uh, it was, it, it was, it's, you remember the date? I don't remember the date, but I remember everything about the conversation. Um, I'll, yeah, maybe, maybe as we get more into there, I'll, I'll put it. I don't think it's appropriate to tell it now, but it's funny. Um, so that's, that's a while back. Do you remember how long it took? Cause back when you first started, there wasn't a bunch of open mics. There wasn't multiple comedy. There's one place I do comedy. There was at Yuck Yucks, the Wednesday nights. Yeah. There's maybe about 15 or 20 comics that were doing it. I think I remember doing a spot and I did, I entered a contest. They had a contest at the time. I had entered the contest three weeks later and I came in second place in that contest. And nice. I was, I'd beaten some guys that had done it for seven years. Yeah. I was just high energy and, and ridiculous. But then, then it, and the wheels fell off that bus shortly, but it was high energy. But <laughs> then you start, you think you're so good, but you're not. You're just, I was funny. I wasn't good yet. And I just, yeah. I just happened to have a high energy and a little bit different than the comics that were working in the area. So it worked out for me. And was that, do you remember how long it was after you started doing like the, like, were you able to get on every month? Pretty much. Yeah. Like yeah. that's a lot of comics argue that you know, there's not enough stage time, but I, I would get on once a month and still got good enough to tour and be a headliner. Yeah. Like I remember, I remember when I started, there was only uh, Wednesdays, one Wednesday at absolute one Wednesday. Yeah. Cause I'm sure there was open mics that existed, but I wasn't aware of them. When I, I, first used, I used to run two open mics. We did. I was, sort of, I was sort of middle act at the time, so I was still working with Yuck Yucks, but I did two shows on a, on a Friday and Saturday night. I got so much crap for that. Back well, then. that's that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you is how long after you started did you did you get you know signed with Yucks or join join with Yuck Yucks? Do you remember how it long was that about process? Five was? years of doing it before I got like a weekend, probably six years before I was sort of on tour with them. But I started my tour because I really pushed Western Canada first because I had family out there. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to see the owner of the Yuck Yucks chain out there saw me. I got on a performance there and then saw me and liked me and asked me to come back. So six months later, I figured I had enough time and I did a tour with them. And I, I got a tour with them before I even got a tour with Yuck Yucks out of Ottawa. So a lot okay. of times you got to go outside your own city to get recognition sometimes. Because We're, like, they didn't like me here. He didn't like me here, Howard. Oh, no? Yeah, initially that, anyway. Now, when you said five years, do you mean five years before like you were signed or touring or five years before you were getting paid work? For I them? don't think, yeah. It was five years at least before I was like middling, getting a paid. I might have got a paid spot maybe at three or four year point, but yeah, it was not really touring regularly until five or six years in. Because I was going to say, I, I I didn't know that. I know I know sort of how you started and stuff, but I didn't know that you were you know that long before you were getting paid work. And I don't, that's just a surprising thing because I would assume that back then there was a lot less guys. And again, as much as you know, we like to bust your balls. I've I've always found you very funny. Like yeah, I had there's just a, there was just they just had their regular rotating comics they had, so they didn't have a lot of place for new people as much. There was a few one nighters here and there, but not a lot. Like and not even weekends at the club. I, I mean, I guess guest spots doing openers, but not not like yeah. you weren't you weren't the middle for a weekend until two three years in kind of thing. Easily four years into a full middle. Oh wow! And I first full middle was in Western Canada on the Western Canada tour. Wow! And, and it took about me doing that three times before. I got booked out of Ottawa in the Ontario run. I bugged them forever to get that. Then I got, then once I did it one run, it was, I was in, I was fine. Yeah. Just getting out of Ottawa was a tough part. Yeah. Well, for me, it, it was, I told uh, on a previous episode sort of what got me into comedy. Um, but I remember the first time I got to do Absolute was just by accident. I, I did two shows on Sundays, like the previous Sundays at an open mic. And uh, I walked in to see the Wednesday show at the club and Nick Carter was running the box office and he goes, it's five bucks. Uh, or you can do a spot. 
And I said, I, what? He goes, well, there's someone who didn't show up. If you want the spot, I was like, which never happens now. You don't get to walk in and get offered a spot. There's vultures swarming for it, you know, all the time now. But uh, I, I was like, can I have a minute to think about it? And he goes, sure. But I remembered in the very short period of time that I started, everyone's like, you never turned down stage time. You never turned. So I, I said, yes, I, I did, you know, that show. And then the rest was history. That was like, that's the history. only part. Well, in terms of that's the only part I can remember being like I was testing the waters. But once I did the club, how many times just, did you perform at that at that time when you're on stage? Only only twice. I've been a third at, time at performing that, that night. My first time at a club ever was that night, and I remember who was on that week. That was uh, was hosted by, I believe, Fraser Young, Middle Dom Perret, and Headliner Jay Malone, which was a crazy wow. strong show. It was such a strong show, and I was and I, I came back because I, I had fun and I had a chance to talk to the guys in the green room. You know, and I remember coming back to see the show that week and I was like, that's one of the strongest until still to this date that I remember that being one of the strongest shows that I've seen top to bottom. Um, yeah, but, plus your adrenaline was probably going pretty good too. I mean, the first uh, time, well, first yeah, because I think it. I performed for like 30 people and then like 10 people and then it was 200 people on a Wednesday because the Wednesdays are usually packed. So I, but I, like I said, from that point, I say the rest is history because I wasn't in my head. I can't compartmentalize each individual set after that. It was just a blur of getting on open mics and getting on at the clubs and stuff. Do you remember your first full week with me? Uh, or anywhere? I remember. It had to be with me, I'm assuming. It was definitely with you, 100%. I, I think I did weekends of openers for you twice to scores of like ones and zeros. Not all of them, but I got some pretty low scores from the comment cards. And I remember because when I was first new, I was doing a lot of like dark stuff, like the shocking stuff. I was getting laughs. Comment cards, by the way, are a rating system we use. That's, yeah, absolutely. Customers rate in the comics like one through five, what they thought of them. So anyway, it's one of the methods. wants to know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, and I've got a question coming up about that too, which helps. Um, but uh, yeah. I, I did that. In fact, I'll, I'll share the story real quick about the first time you booked me because you had me on weekends and stuff doing little guest spots. And I, in my opinion, looking back, I always did okay. I didn't do great. I didn't do terrible. I always did okay. And I remember one day you called me up for uh, uh, an outside gig. It was a grass crasher. Uh, you called me, I think this was about six months into to stand up. And you said, uh, there's a golf show. I'm going to be late. I'm out golfing. I've been drinking. <laughs> and Never can happened. you can you get there before me? You just got to do like like seven, eight minutes. And at the time, I didn't have seven, eight. I had my six or seven. That's it. I didn't have more than that. And you're like, it's a it's a golf show. You know, you just do that until I get there. I go, okay. You said, can you do that? I go, yeah. I was in the car at the time. My brother was with me. We drove out there. And I think maybe five, ten minutes after that phone call, you said, you know what? I'm not going to make it. You just, you just do the time. It's going to be fine. <laughs> and I was what? like, really? Yeah. Is the first, first page. I think that was even before I got my first weekend or the, I think the opening spots on the weekend were free, but anyway, so the, the show first with? paid game, me, it was just me. You just sent me. And I remember going up there with my, my, you know, shooting cum jokes or whatever. And I was standing in front of this crowd and I could tell just the look on yeah, their faces the golf that crowd they were gonna be never going to like that. Yeah, older crowd, most likely. The only joke them. that I told that got a laugh was when I got there, they were giving out the awards for best foursome. And this is long before I've learned everything I've learned about golf from all the shows I've done is the, the they say best foursome. And of course, these four old guys went to receive the the, the thing for that. So I opened with, uh, hey, so uh, I've never really been on a golf course before, so you know, and being a young guy with access to the internet, you can imagine what I thought when you were giving away awards for the best foursome and four old guys got up and came <laughs> and it got a laugh uh, as much and as you could Josh, expect from an afternoon. First bit shot. of crowd work and it never stops since yeah, then. Yeah, it's never by, I got a, got a taste for blood like a shark. But yeah, that was the first paid gig that I remember getting from you. Like the, the Usually it's a two person show. Absolutely. And that's why looking back, I was like, I just didn't know. I thought you were coming to do like an hour after me or something like that. Cause I didn't nah, know how to crash. It's a, ten, it's a it's 15, 15 minutes. minute set. Like, so seven and eight or something. Yeah, exactly. So I, I didn't understand the time. So when you said, I'm not coming, I was like, 
Does that are they getting an hour show canceled down to seven minutes of an, an appropriate? Imagine having to do forty minutes, Josh, and trying to do that at that time <laughs> of your career. That would be the. A lot of guys think they could do it. And yeah, that would be so absolutely couldn't. terrifying to think. I was panicking to do at the more seven, time than you should. You should never do more time than you you're good at doing. It could hurt your career more than anything. I was nervous when I thought I was doing seven minutes before you, but I had said yes. So when you called, that's pretty back honest. And said, though. A lot of guys would say, "No, it was a cakewalk. I could do two hours." No, I, I was worried, but I thought that you were coming, and I thought you were doing a lot of time afterwards because you were saying, "Just do you start that till I can get there. You buy the time." So I was like, "I can do that, and you'll mop up." And then when you called me back and said, "No, I'm not going to come here," so it's just you. I was terrified. I was like, uh, I'm I, don't you, wanna... I can't remember that at all. I can't remember that at well, all. Well, you were Doesn't... drunk. That's why you called me. <laughs> but I, I remembered it. Aaron was there. Those gigs, those, those golf, those grass crasher gigs were terrible too. Some of them have to have the tired, tired people after a golf thing. It's not really there. They're not paying for it. There was like a bonus. You know, we were kind of interrupting their night. Half of them were exhausted because they've been golfing all day. Yeah, which is why drunk. surprise comedy never works. Whenever people are like, oh, we're going to surprise them with a show. It's like, mm. if they just find out they're spending another hour sitting there before they get to go home, they're going to be pissed. Doesn't matter what yeah, the thing is. Surprise 10 minutes was, was perfect. It was just a taste of what we did. And nine out of 10 of them went very well. There was an odd one that was just terrible. We did one for Moxie's. I remember that one. Was, yeah. Everyone was just <laughs> hammered and there's, we could do, we, we could probably fill hours on just road, you know, one nighters and road stories oh, and special geez. event shows. But, uh, getting back to when you were, yeah, so, so you were two, three years in at least before you were doing the club stuff, let alone their one nighter stuff. And uh, what I wanted to ask is like when you were working with, with yucks, what was it like being under the yuck yucks umbrella? Initially, it was great. Like, I'm, you know, honest, at the end of the day, I, I'm very happy with my experience there. Yeah. Because it made me what I am today. Be honest with you. Oh, of course, I mean, I have absolutely. Nothing really, really terrible said. I just don't like the way some some of the, the there's less care for some of the shows I was on. Mm-hmm. You know, um, less discipline. I found some of the shows. Uh, I found like you know an hour and a half show went two hours long some nights, and nobody was disciplined about that. And I just felt that hurt the next show that they had, and, yeah. the, and they were you're punishing the audience members some nights well and you were you told me a long time ago too that there was times where you guys would be promoting a show and you'd be work working with howard to put up posters and promote it like that's something that you were working on you were saying that i t- you you would be uh, at least feeling at times like you were working hard to get butts and seats and that's not even your job as the comic their job as the as the club is to be doing that I remember so, too, 20 years ago, there wasn't the social media stuff to do too. So no, it was postering all, and, you know, telephone calls and stuff to people. Yeah. You don't get to show something to 200 people in four seconds like you do. Now. I, I always yeah, thought so. the best form of advertising was making sure the show went great. Absolutely. That way they would do it again. So no matter what it was, the situation, you made it as good as you possibly could. So if it was a crappy little one night, it was small, move everyone forward, you know, make sure the sound was right. Make sure someone intros you. Well, I would, Howard would send me on gigs all the time first. Yeah. I do believe he did that because he knew I was particular about Making sure that that show they did it again. Yeah, not not a, a lot of comics would go into and screw up the hotel room. Would screw up, get too many drinks and get drunk and then right. go long. And other than they wouldn't do that, never do that gig again. Yeah. Now that would lose me work. Yeah, and, and lose some care. other comics work. And yeah, right? they they don't care if the room doesn't look good or set up because they're going to mm-hmm. make the same amount of money. I yeah, I, I understand that my my uh, a business mentality that that is behind that is just the a lot of guys are like, oh, I want to make money, but the thing is, if you make a good product, the money comes automatically because it's a good product that people want. That's why the show is the most important. And again, just for for again, my regular listeners who are not necessarily comedians, but to, to the comics as well is there are a lot of people who will put on a show and think it's as easy as making a poster and putting an event on Facebook and that's it. But but no, that... And it's uh, not just the comics too. It's got to be a good setup. It's got to be... Absolutely. It's got to be engaged. And the bar, number one, the bar or the venue has to be invested. in some, Either you or the bar has to be invested in that gig in some financial matter. 
right. way, right? So the bar's got to, if, if it's empty, they're going to be suffering somehow. Right. That they're paying something if you're not. So they care about making sure it's correct, that it's set Absolutely. up right, that and they're you not want talking to, to the servers again. aren't, you know, talking during the show when the TVs are on. They go, who gives a shit? The TVs are on. There's only eight people. Who gives a fuck, right? Well, I've seen a lot of shows that were, were sold once. And they were so bad, they never got sold again. So a lot of guys, that, that if you see the show and you go, oh, well, I'm, I'm already making the money. It doesn't matter whether it's a good setup or we do a good job or whether they enjoy it. You got to think to yourself like, hey, if they do enjoy it, if it is done right, it'll get done again. And then it's an easier thing. And then it's something that just then happens every year. You don't have to focus it, on the yeah. work at all. It's, it's, a, it's a, a well-oiled thing. It's a, uh, what's the fucking term in cell phones there? <laughs> no, it's not reciprocal for the residual. It's a residual thing that happens. You don't have to work for it. It just keeps coming to you every year, and it's just one more thing that you do. Anyways, but that's that's a little off topic. So one of the things that you learned there was basically how to care and put on a better show. I think so. Because they did do most of the shows I did were pretty good. They were, they, you could know the ones that went well were not just a fluke, all right? Because they're the same exact comics, three shows, right? Why did this one destroy, but the other one we did didn't go well? Because the crowd wasn't right. It wasn't The sound was terrible. Something went wrong. The intro wasn't right. They were tired. Something was up. Right? And you'd be asking those those questions to yourself yeah. afterwards. That's the thing too. Is a lot of people are just like, ah, eh, they'll shrug and 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 you know, eh, maybe it was the crowd. But sometimes you got to go, hey, well, what am I doing that's that's affecting it? Yeah. Plus, in my career too, I worked other places too. That's I worked, what I was I worked other one nighters. I worked throughout the United States too. I worked in Buffalo and in. in well, New were York you doing State. anything was, else to support yourself during like were, were at the time? Like, were you were you working a day job? Oh, I had like four part time jobs. I did a lot of jobs so I could do comedy. Right. So I had a, I delivered newspapers. Everyone, my friends, oh my god, my friends would make fun of me, call me a paper boy. But I made like I was living the Ottawa Sun, and I worked at the Ottawa Sun too in the evenings when they were expanding. Then, then I that's the at, paper that now in 2017 is worth 25 cents an issue, right? Yeah. That's well, that they, one. they can't even give it away. <laughs> yeah, home delivery. People were paying for home delivery. Now you have to pay them to home deliver it to them. Is there? Yeah, that is funny. And who's who's that lush? I I I I have the money to pay it to have the, the inferior I'd paper like to get it in the morning. Yeah, I like to get it in the morning. By the time you get the news, it's <laughs> seven hours it. old, yeah. you know? <laughs> right? Nowadays, everything's fucking instant on your phone. This celebrity's sick in the hospital, and then when you wake up in the morning, you find out he's dead, and <laughs> the newspaper dead. says he's sick in the hospital. No, he's dead already. <laughs> yeah, we found that dead. out three hours ago. Yeah, exactly. That is pretty funny. I never actually thought about that. Um, so once, like, okay, you're working for Yucks, you're doing tours, you're one of their comedians. What point did you decide, I'm, I have to go do this on my own? Well, I was doing a Western tour, and I just found... Well, the place I was working at was just taking two high commissions off me. And just the way they were treating myself. And I was getting older, and I just didn't want to be treated that way. So what? That, that's that's interesting because a lot of people get to that point where they're like, I don't want to be treated. I'm, I'm sick of this. But then they leave and they look for someone else to work for. You didn't do that. You said, I'm going to go do it myself. That's And I, you know, if I'm doing the math properly, I don't want to nail it. I always exactly wanted to do it. I even was going to do it with Yuckets. I actually had an offer to purchase the Sudbury Yuck Yucks. All right, so that was just that just got squashed with you know it was a little bit naive of us to assume we could have bought it for the price he was offering it to us. There had Yuckx got involved and and it was a little more complicated than that, but it just that would have been something I wanted to try as well. But then that flew out. Then I mean just then we just then we just ended my relationship with Yuckx. I just couldn't work for them anymore. Yeah, like they weren't they were just not for me anymore. Right, but you didn't and like I said instead of trying to be a, an independent, you just said I'm going to do it. We're gonna we're gonna make this up. so and this was to what, a point two, two, two where you're, I loved the job I loved to do comedy even on the road I loved to go out west I loved to do little shows anywhere from fifty people hundred people I loved it for the money just that uh, no I'm like thirty five years old I have a biochemistry degree and I'm making twenty two thousand dollars a year working part time I can't even have a relationship because I'm on the road forty two weeks a year yeah well and that's how old I am now I'm thirty five and the idea of of 
starting a business from the, it, I mean, Hey, I don't have the finances, but even if I had that money, I got to tell you that the idea of taking all of that and just, and going, yeah, I can do this. It's scary. That's yeah, it's, I prepared it's for a, that for about two years and business plan. And then I watched, I just carefully watched how other the place that did it right, did it like the good rooms, even young cooks or the other rooms I worked in the I States and, and New York. And even when I was on vacation, watching a place, how it went, yeah, see how they're serving, see what's, what, what's the best format comedy you know so did you have like like my my question would be like what were you going to do differently than yuck yucks because you had to i'm sure you had that what am i going to do different because everyone goes i want to replicate what works but then there's got to be something that is going to set you apart so did you have a list of things yeah they just service during the show make sure the server the server i would really get annoyed when a server would annoy me as a performer a server that was annoying like was talking to a customer while i was doing my act or something or was disrupting the show by walking in front of the stage the wrong way or too high Right. Uh, I never liked the, the idea of le- of the show was over. Number one, the length of the show, the d- discipline of the comics and the length of the show. Comics are going long. I would never tolerate that. Mm-hmm. You know, comic having the balls to do, you know, doing a seven minute set and doing 17 minutes would happen all through my career. Yeah. And that just drove me crazy. I, that's intolerable to me. And I remember reading an article uh, that, that was published on you in the Toronto Star about saying how one of the things that was really important to you in starting Absolute Comedy was just how the comics were treated. Like you were saying a moment ago, how you had to, how you were being treated, what was being taken off the top yeah. of you. And so one of the things- Providing that- accommodations for the most of the times. I have nice accommodations. And I remember going to some horrible, horrible hotel rooms and horrible uh, condos that I stayed at in the States and horrible hotel room I stayed when I was in Alberta yeah. where I had to sleep with my clothes on. Just the place was get so up and run dis- in the middle of the night. Oh, it was so <laughs> disgusting. Just it was just you know hairs on the pillows and just oh, sink taps were leaking and the sheets. I you, you, maybe they changed they them. Moved. <laughs> they moved. They didn't change. They changed them from room to room. <laughs> right? There's though. just no a brown towels. What's brown towels in a hotel? Come on. That's actually smart. It's like no, wearing black underwear. I'm pretty sure it. they didn't. Want, it was disgusting. It was no heat. Yeah, whatever. Just, just just the way they were treated. You know. And then they just started cutting things. Like used to get travel allowance. Then they cut that. Well, in that article in the Sun, it's you were saying how you were going to 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 do shows at Yuck Yucks in Toronto, and they didn't even put you up while you were there. You I were was, sleeping on couches. I, and I was stuff sleeping like in that. my car some nights. Yeah, it's, that's what they said. They said you slept in your car in a in a parking garage, and that's that's the thing too. Is like when you're you're a professional, you're a Canadian entertainer, and and you know you're treated like I don't know. I see. So yeah, that's why a lot of comics have to move to Toronto for that because a lot of the clubs won't put you up if you're in the area, which right. saves them a ton of money. You think it's you know close to twenty. $200 a month for my condo plus internet cable, you know, cleaning the place. That's $3,000 a month. Well, that's the four for accommodations. But I think that's important. And you get, you get a little more variety of comics from out of town if you have accommodations. Well, and you've received high kudos for that too, because a lot of the other comics, I remember when Paul came up, Paul Verzi, um, he was mentioning how like he was really against the idea of staying in the condo because I guess just everywhere he's been. And he said flat out, he goes, you know what? In all honesty, I've I've done a lot in my career and I believe I'm at a point where I deserve to stay in a decent place. So I, I don't let a lot yeah. of comedy clubs put me in their condo. I ask for a hotel. But I, I suggested to him, I said, listen, you've Have got to give at this first, a yeah, chance. It's nice, yeah. yeah, and he he was definitely, he jumped on his podcast and was saying, singing the praises of it. So it is one of, it's definitely recognized as yeah, one Yeah, I wanted to make sure they were places. they were treated, they were, it's better than their home accommodation. Yeah, you don't feel like you're in a, a cage in a zoo for the week, and, and then when you come out for do, for shows, you know, you get yeah. an opportunity to do You know what's really funny, though, is a lot of comics were telling me that you're going to have a nice condo, the comic's going to ruin it, and then we'll be there again. I can't even, in 12 years... No, two incidences where there was something damaged in the condo. That was like, you know, yeah. 
you know, on purpose. Maybe a burn hole in the carpet or well, it, a broken dresser or, it's or something. When you or show respect, broke, but nothing. But yeah. it wasn't like no one took a shit in the. Like, I heard these stories: people taking a shit in the bed or something yeah. like that and leaving because well, the they're thing mad. Too. Like if you walk a door. into a nice place. You know what I mean? If the place is nice and kept up nice, mm-hmm. you're more inclined to treat it with the same respect that it's being shown. Obviously, so if you walk into a place where clearly the people who own it don't give a fuck about it, then, you know, and I'm they, not they saying have... that people or animals are going to do something to it, but I'm saying that if you're already, you know, if, if your behavior is going to be more noticeable, then you're less likely to And do the comics it. would see me come to the condo and actually they're fixing it myself, changing the sheets myself. So that's when my clean linen was out. Because I, I actually do that once in a while just to make sure it's done to my standards. Absolutely. And I train the people that clean it. This is why I want it done. I want it done like a hospital. <laughs> well, that's the thing is is uh, that old thing is people go, you know, hey, what's what's Jay doing here? And I go, it's not one thing. It's a hundred little things. And, and it's it's basically a nickel and diming process, but in the positive. The more little things that you do, they add up and they make a big win. You know what I mean? Chipping away. Um, what I wanted to know too, though, is when you were starting Absolute, were there any any obstacles that you had to run? So you got this idea, you're going to do the club, you've decided I'm doing it. What, once you started the process, did you run into anything that slowed you down or, or anything that looked like it might well, not fig- come to fruition? Figuring the comics that I could use, I didn't realize because I worked for Yuck Yucks for so long, there was that many <laughs> you're comics. You're like one question ahead of me yeah. with all of your answers. So my next question was going to say, Yucks had the comedians. Monks, I, so I, I, thought they had all, I thought they had all the comedians because I worked for them. I, I was kind of, you know... Uh, how do you, what's the word? I would just, I didn't know there was anything else going on right. outside of Yuck Yuck. So I knew there were some comics, but I thought, oh my God, they must work once a year or something like that. And they must be crappy. And then I realized, oh my God, there's about 25 really good, more than that, 50 comics in Canada that are outside independence. Yeah. That, but I booked, I was so afraid that I couldn't get comics that were booked somewhere. They would cancel because Yuck Yuck would say, hey, listen, you can't do that. Right. And they were known to do that at the time. They don't do that as much now, but they, they would do that. And to give context for the listeners. On the drive guys, to work in my club, they would call them and tell them, and then they would not show up for me to work. Now I have no headline. Yeah. So I booked a lot of, some guys I knew for sure. I booked four or five guys I worked with. I knew were independent. Then I worked about 15 comics out of the States through an agent in the US. Yeah. So so you guys know, Yuck Yucks uh, basically has an agreement with all of their comedians that they cannot work anywhere else. So talking about being with Yucks is not as simple as like, oh, they give me work, but it's to say that you're with them and you're with no one else. So the idea is if you open up a comedy club, and the only place that people know is Yuck Yucks in Ottawa. You, you, and, and Yucks is already across the country. So we're not talking about you're opening up across, you know, your rest, a restaurant across from another restaurant. You're talking about a restaurant across from several other restaurants. And it's, uh, it's basically how do you get guys if everybody is already under this big umbrella? So that's, that's where that comes from with the, with the guys in the States. And of course, you know, getting a call on their way saying, Hey, you know, if you play that club, it's going to cost you a lot of extra work. It's, it's like yeah, I said, I was on the way. Now I do some, I mean, I understand some of it now being on this side of it. I understand you wanted to keep your comics and keep them, but you got to keep them happy and it's got to go both ways. Right. If, if you're offering me something, you got to, you got to back that up. You can't just, just say you work for me and that's it, but I can't work you anywhere. Right. I said, but these are the rules. I will work you under these conditions if you do this for me. And that's okay with you. Say yes. If not, if it's not doesn't work for you, then then say no. Or, right. Or or augment it the way you that it's best. It's more for about both being okay with the agreement and at yeah. least setting everything up in advance versus like, hey, come here, we're friendly. Come sit, you know, come sit next to us. And then once you you get into it, you realize, geez, that guy had his hand in my pocket the whole time and and really wasn't. Uh, the thing is, they have your they had your career in their palm of their hand, so you can work for them for five months, but then you don't have one bit of work and you can't work anywhere else right which i get now it the conflict but if you can't commit some to not that that little amount of work and then not give them anything yeah you can't say to somebody only let me feed you but i've only got so much but I'm to t- go now again don't let any amateurs listen to this confuse this with an open mic night which makes no money i'm talking about you know 
$30,000 in income they're promising you, and then you only make 20 one year, and next year you make 50. Right. Right. You can't limit yourself when you're making, when they decide to keep you and promise you this amount of work. Right. Weekly basis. Like yeah. I have contracts with some comics as well, but I promise them a certain amount of spots and work yeah. in return for not doing it with mics it's and, and other, and other things that's good for me, that benefits me. Right. And benefits them because I will promise them this so much. And if they don't like the deal, they don't have to, to sign it. Yeah. It's still a choice, but it is laid out up front, which I think is is the better thing to know. Um, I was asking too. So basically your biggest hurdle when opening Absolute was was finding comics that you could use. No, nothing in terms of the business. There was no location issues. There was no, you didn't receive any any threats or anything. I read some articles when you first opened in Ottawa. No, um, there's no. Just, just basically they asked Yuck Yucks what they thought of another comedy club opening. And it was sort of a scoff offline that said, well, there's been lots of people who've opened and tried to compete with us. These guys won't last six months either or something. I, I am paraphrasing. It's not a direct quote, yeah, that was but, a different, yeah. but it was six something about how six months. six months later you'll, you'll be gone. And uh, which leads to my next, well, because they don't, they realize too, a lot of people try it. It's not easy. Yeah. And it's not a huge amount of money to be made. We're only open for two hours in the night. It's not like a restaurant that can do lunches and dinners and, breakfast if they want we have, we have make our money within three hours in a night yeah and usually friday saturdays is the money nights other nights are bonus nights for the comics not for me i don't make a lot of money in the on the sunday monday tuesdays those are extra nights for the comics to pay them mm-hmm. and for to get extra spots and, and work for the comics absolutely but weekends where i make my money that's why most of the clubs you'll see just do thursday friday saturday nights well it's almost like like we've discussed before not not on the podcast or anything but just generally speaking like if you only have let's say just for a round number 500 people are going to come see a show in a week do you want to stress you know uh, what do you call it stretch that out over like five six nights or do you want to have them come friday saturday where you're paying servers and electricity and all that stuff so the idea is the more people that are coming out the easier it is to spread that in a lot of clubs well, they don't have have enough people to keep them open seven nights a week which is something that I'm, I'm going to get to in a second because um, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that until my front. Like, so I started out with Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because I wanted a Wednesday. I wanted an amateur, amateur night, no matter what, because right. I wanted to do local, whatever anyone thinks I did want local talent. Yep. It's important for you. Fill in spots. It's important to have local talent that are good. that can do one nighters for you. Other Absolutely. Work I've got, I've got that coming yeah, up. So that was too, a big so part you. of me. And, and I wanted, I wanted to get the young guys in. They'll be my future headliners at some point in 20 right. years. They'll be my headliners, right? I can use them and they'll make, make them money. They'll make me money. But I only, I only had one show Friday, two shows Saturday. I thought I could do that to start, and I did. Once they were full, then I added more shows. That's right. So you basically you don't go seven it. nights a week right away because you're going to just spread all your efforts across those days. Yeah. And I know when I'm sold out Saturdays, I can. There's options for the other days. I can give away other days, and you know, they just become busier because the weekend is busy and it's full. So they're sold out. Oh crap! So now yeah, I'll go, now they got to find night. an alternative so they can I have go another Sunday show maybe. Full. Yeah. Yeah, and and now obviously that was a build. It's now open seven nights a week. Was there a particular part or moment that you recognized where you were like, holy shit, like, not only am I staying alive against Yuck Yucks, but, I mean, I will say, you don't have to say it, but I will say that that you have become the premier brand of comedy in Ottawa. You were recognized. Forget what you ask us. If you walk on the street and you ask 100 people, I drive my, my shitty, Uber, drive, or my shitty yeah. Uber job in the morning, and I, I will tell people, you know, when they ask me, I'll give them, the you know, a ticket for Absolute, and they go, oh, I've been here. I love this place. People don't even, they go, what's that other one? You know what I mean? They know, yeah. they know your name. I think there's a bit of confusion though, too, because they're either one on Elgin or you're the one on Preston. There's still like people I do don't that. know that branding has to be done with huge amount of advertising before they know exactly where you Absolutely. are. And Absolutely. we are doing enough, but not enough to get everybody. I think most people have heard of us now. I believe that. I, I would say so. Because like I said, when I bring up comedy, people say, oh, do you perform at Absolute? Whereas 
uh, there's, I'm sure there was a time where if you said you're doing comedy and you're at a club, they yeah, would the say, first. oh, did you, did you go to Yuck Yucks? And I'm saying that whatever brand comes out of their mouth first, I would say is the more, the more recognizable one. Mm-hmm. And, and in the years since I've started, I've had that Yuck Yucks less and less and absolute well, I'm probably doing a little better, num- bigger numbers in them. So the numbers that people pass into the club will be higher. Well, they, they still, they still, despite a lot of things have a good, I think a reputation where people will know what Yuck Yucks is. I, I really. Absolutely. I'm not saying people don't know what they are. But initially, in initially of, I know when we started, cause I, I advertised very heavily to start, did a lot of radio and, and other stuff initially, probably two to 4,000 bucks a month plus other stuff. So I probably helped their business out the first two years because I was advertising live comedy. And then people know that familiar with it is with Yuck Yucks. So I guarantee they trickled 20%. Just even a better. reminder that that's an option of something yeah. to do. They, they go where they know. Yeah. If yeah. they do any searches, they, what their knowledge is, is that. And they would search that. And, you know, God, 12 years ago, was it was it, was it uh, still by phone or by <laughs> – no, it probably wasn't as much. Probably still phone books. Was it 12, 13 years ago? Would they, no, it would still be out by uh, – Are you talking about the phone book? How, like how the they would – phone book? Yeah, I think they the probably eliminated it around the time. Because people were coming oh, by fuck. me 12 years ago trying to advertise in the yellow pages. So that ended oh, very quickly. putting ads in them. I thought yeah. you meant just when they were delivering them. Yeah, no, I can't imagine. <laughs> you want to put an ad in the yellow pages? No. You mean Google? <laughs> yeah, Google. Google 12, but, yeah, 12 years ago, Google so, was around, but not as big as it is now. But, but was there like, the reason I ask is like- Right around there, the time I opened, it was probably when that became very popular. Yeah, but was there a moment, like, because I, I would imagine, I mean, you open it up and there's going to be that fear like, shit, are we going to be able to compete? But I'm asking- I, never, I, never, I was never afraid of that. You weren't? Never? No, no. Okay. Never afraid of that. Because I said, there was, they were, the restrictions they had, I said, I could do something a little different. And there's only, and it's such a small market. Right. And I think I knew. So you weren't worried that, that maybe people just wouldn't trust the brand. You were, that's, that's good to know. I, I personally. I really I was not scared at all. I, not, not terrified at all. Okay. Money, losing the money part, but I would just, I would work so hard to make sure it was busy. Cause I was out every night for two years putting up 15, saying, yeah. 30 posters a night. And was there a moment then, then going from, okay, I know this is going to work. Was there a mo- do you, do you remember recognizing like, holy shit, not only is this working, but I'm starting to be number one. Christmas was very busy the first year, which was good. I remember the first February, I think it was mid February, we had a Wednesday and I believe we had 13 people on a Wednesday and that was our first year. And February should be a busy time of the year, but I think we had 15 people. Now we had I don't know, we, we're brand new, right? So there's going to be an off day. And what I said, that's my last night I'm ever having under under 50 people. And I don't believe I've had five nights under 50 people in 10 years. Well, early early, in, early in Absolute Comedy's existence, at one point, they ripped up the street, right? And did, yeah. and that, did that hurt? No, just inconvenienced. Okay. Like, but so because, because we don't, people that come to the club aren't walk-ins. They don't wander on the street and then wander, oh, they see a comedy club. It's like going to a movie theater. You don't wander by the movie theater. Right. And go, I'm going to go, hey, let's go see a movie. Well, a few people will, but if there's 200 people in the movie theater, five walk by. The rest of them look and they check the, the schedule, see what time the show is at, make sure that they're half an hour before, buy a popcorn, right. and sit and watch a movie. And they pick the movie they want to watch. So if they're thinking of comedy or some form of entertainment, they're going to think of, let's, what's what's happening? So there's absolute comedy, there's Yuck Yucks, what else can we do? Maybe there's a theater show, right. maybe there's a movie we can go to, maybe we can go to a concert, maybe there's something going on at the Canadian Tire Center, what's going on? Okay, absolute comedy is here, let's go check that out. It's reasonable, it's right down the road. Well, that's let's good. Make yeah, plans I guess, and drive I, there. I guess it is more of a destination. Because I had the reason I asked is I had a friend who bought a, a coffee franchise, um, a smart businessman, good good guy, but it was on it was on Bank Street, and they and they ripped the up they, they ripped up real, Bank Street. Yeah, they can and, close their business now. And the thing was, they ripped up Bank Street as soon as uh, as soon as they they finished the franchise company went under, so he had to to destroy that and rebrand his coffee shop. And by the time he came out of the backside of that, they'd opened a Tim Hortons across the street. 
from them. And it was just like, like one hit after the other and oh, it yeah. was just done. No, the road being constructed me, no problem. If so I had a flood or a damage to my building, that would, that would affect me. We lost our liquor license for a week and that, but I just, I just went to tailgaters that time when we, same business. So I just moved the business to tailgaters at the same amount of people. Right. They just went to a different spot. So anyone lives in the area, I might lose, obviously if I'm moving the venue, I'm going to lose five or 10%, but not right. like my business. Until you educate people where the new location is. Yeah. Perfect example. We have Italian week this week, right? I bet you 90% of my clientele don't even know it's Italian week. We tell them, hey, get here a little earlier because there's going to be some street closures. Right. But they don't know. They're not from the area. Which is by the time this comes out, Italian week would have been last week. Yeah. <laughs> it's last out week. next Friday. Last we are Friday. recording this a week before before the episode airs. So, yeah. But yeah, so that's going on this There's week. like 10,000 people walking in the street, but not anyone coming to the comic club. They're all just hanging on the street, looking around. Well, that's, yeah, <laughs> Looking exactly. for something free to do. And uh, so Absolute Comedy in Ottawa was obviously a success. And as I mentioned, at least in, in the, the court of public opinion, I would say that it's recognized as the number one comedy club in Ottawa. So at what point did you decide, okay, I'm, I'm taking on Toronto? Uh, never. I always wanted to expand anyway, but, but Toronto just fell in our lap. Uh, Brendan McKeegan, who was my comic and friend at the time, was living there and his girlfriend walked by the old Yuck Yucks location and it was up for lease. You got to come and look at it. So we checked into it, checked the pricing. It was the right time. We were, we were, we were four years in, five years in Ottawa. So things were going very good. We had a little bit of money in the bank. So let's try that. We checked it out and it was the right time. Almost like a, like a right place, right time kind of thing. Yeah. And getting in Toronto is a big deal. A lot of, most yeah, of the comics in Canada are in that area, you know, there and, uh, being in that part is big. Well, and you're also in the have. heart of, of yuck yucks territory too. So now you're not going one to, it's not a one-on-one yeah. fight. It's like a five to one fight. So, I mean, were you nervous going into Toronto or were you confident there too? Uh, Toronto, a little more expensive. So it was a little bit harder to advertise. Advertising, for example, Toronto is four times more expensive than Ottawa. Right. And rent is double. Rent double advertising and radio ad in Ottawa was 70 bucks and I would say triple. So radio ads, same ad, 30 second ad in Toronto was 240 on a good station. And you got to have 25 of those a week to be successful. Right. Right. And 25, do the math on that. 25 times 250 bucks. That's a oh, lot costs, of money. And you yeah. don't even make that back filling your room up. So well, it's, that's the thing. it's almost puts it out of. A lot of people that I that I know business. now that are that are small businesses, the idea of them just throwing money at advertisement, they're like, no, I can do social media stuff, and it, it, social media has a value, but it's not going to get you everything. There are still you have to basically cast a bunch of nets in a bunch of different areas and spend the money. Right, it takes yeah. money to make money. Most successful businesses just doing social media, like any big businesses. Right, of course, um, and and of course now my next question is that the flagship location at this point in Ottawa is open seven nights a week, and it's known as one of the best clubs across North America. Comics will. I have heard comedians from the States and very far parts of the States refer to absolute comedy as the warm shower after being on the road all the time. Because again, you get treated properly in the condo. It's a good club. People are there to laugh. And I think uh, it's just set up right. So the, the audience is just in the perfect environment to see. We got lucky with the room. We modeled all the rooms after this, but it was similar, similar size and shape I wanted, but it was just a good sound and a good feedback in there. And and just intimate, and I just think their experience is just is fifteen percent better than other places because it's just it's just a better room. Yeah, well, you don't have to. I mean, it's done right, so the work isn't all on the comic on stage too. Like, like I was saying, uh, yeah, if you do bad here, you're that joke's bad. You're, 
you know, on, yeah, on, a, on a good night, average say. night, like oh, there's there's crappy night. Everyone has a crappy night, right? So the, the crowd's not into it. They're tired. Something's up. Oh, well, yeah, a lot of the excuses of the audience being to blame are kind of gone at absolute. Instead of being mm-hmm. like, well, they they were spread out. They couldn't hear me. The the server was talking. All that shit that people can blame yeah, when they nice intro. Everything's wrong. right, right? And, Absolutely. And now, of course, there's there's not just Toronto and Ottawa. There's the Kingston Club, which is the most recent. It's building momentum as well. So I would just wonder, you know, three clubs in and obviously having success with with all of them would you uh where would you want to be next if you would open a fourth i know that that's still some time but yeah, uh, the next club if i do it would have to be a franchise i think i think i'm stretching myself a little much yeah for four clubs to do it i'd definitely help someone who would do it and you know but i think i think i just I, where would you want one so franchise franchise or own yourself do you have your eye on a city i would l- love to be in montreal but uh you know, there's two other clubs there right now, so it'd be tough. We'll see. Right. And I wanted to ask, too, because you have three satellite I'd love rooms. another one in Toronto. In and around the Toronto, in Toronto? In the Toronto area would be great, because then we could split advertising. That would be the biggest financial help. help so everything, us. yeah. So we got, like, the two-hour drive intervals, too, because we're Ottawa, Kingston, Toronto. So maybe on the other side of Toronto, you think maybe, like, still in Toronto, you think? Not like a London, Ontario kind of thing? No, in the, Toronto, in the Toronto market area. So somewhere so where, you, where, where we are, where we could hear the radio ad within an hour of... 45 minute drive of okay. that club. So east, west, south, somewhere. Who knows what happens with that? But a franchise would be the best bet because like just investing in more into that and $20,000 a month rent would be crazy. Right. Now getting into Quebec or Montreal too is difficult because there's different liquor laws. There's all kinds of stuff. And you have to have, I couldn't do that myself. You need somebody there to do that with. Right. Well, I mean, that's that's why. I mean, the head of McDonald's can't be there fucking every day checking everyone, teaching every fry cook, whatever. But you you also have satellite rooms here in Ottawa. You have three of them. Uh, you have the Tartan Pub in Orleans. You have the Velvet Room in Canada and the Clock Tower in Westboro. So I was going to ask you, like, I mean, obviously they're great rooms, but what's the value of having these rooms and not just expecting the people to come to the Preston Street Club? So what's what's the value in having satellite rooms versus just driving the business to the, the core club? I mean, really having those rooms there... Off nights is a good thing and a bad thing for me. So it's a, it's a tough call for me because I guarantee you a room being out there is going to take a person out of my room. But they might go more often to comedy if it's closer. Right. Plus, it's more work. The major thing, it's more work for the comics. Comics are getting actually quality work. And if it's done properly, it's uh, absolute comedy's name is on that. Right. And they can only go up Fridays or one night there. Then, hey, listen, when I'm at Thursday... We don't have a show at the Velvet Room, for example, but right. we'll have to go to Absolute Comedy downtown. Yeah, so these are like some some of them are, are I think Clock Tower is once a month, Velvet Room is is twice a month, and the, the Tartan is every week, every but it's weekend. on a Monday. On a Monday. Um. So yeah. So okay. So that's basically it's almost like Would a live say, advertisement of yeah. what we do. It's a sample, sort of out of these. what we do. Yeah, and it's and it's not the full show we do. The room the rooms are good. Those three rooms are very good, but there's no way they can compare it to seeing a show at at my room. at the club at no, the club. Room. Yeah, it's gonna be much better there. Better experience little stronger show i look but, at, i look at the but like it's still a good fairs. show and you don't have to drive you know if you're in orleans or you're in canada you don't have to drive you know that 20 minute drive into town and you can see it for a similar price and still see a good show yeah i look and, at them and, like and state fairs right like you can't make it to the big amusement park but there are the little fairs we can jump yeah. on a ride and go you know what Just that still, was hope, fun maybe yeah. we should try to go to a big one you know someday. hopefully you'll want to do that but again how many of those could i do three of them probably i maybe be able to do one south that's about it that's like arguing at some point there's going to be too many of them that I'm going to lose business at my club. Right. Because now there's so many different options everywhere. There's not, yeah, there, it, it starts Costco to Costco won't tight. open another Costco across the street from a Costco. They'll open in other parts of town. Look where they are in Ottawa. That's my perfect example where right. you could have a club. There's one in Orleans. There's one south. Now there's just one open in Barhaven. Yep. Right? There's one but they in are Quebec different side, sects of the and city. And there's one in Canada. Yep. Right? The one in Barhaven to me, it seems very close to the one on Maryville, but it's still busy. 
Mm-hmm. So do you think when they opened the one in Barhaven, do you think they probably lost 20% of the business? They definitely did. I actually talked to them about that. They lost uh, a lot of business. I remember yeah. going into the, the, the month after it launched going, wow, this place is really good But, but, the, one, but the one in Barhaven, <laughs> do you think they're taking any business from Canada or from Orleans? They might lose I think 5%, 2%, but they're not losing 30%. Yeah, Canada, I can't see it. They're both sort of off. You know, you jump in Barhaven, you go on the, the 416 or whatever, you're going to break off and go towards Canada. If you live anywhere near Green Bank or Woodruff, you're going to just drive straight down towards Merrillville. So I think even, mm. I think both can, I think, you know what, they probably did the math and said, you know what, we can sacrifice a little bit from each store and gain new customers who aren't willing to drive those extremes to shop at Costco. So they probably got some new customers because they're close and only had to siphon off a little bit. But yeah, that's way you get too much new customers business. expanding, great. But if you're just taking from your own customer base, yeah, you're just paying more be, rent for the same thing. If they're going to come to you yeah. anyways, then then you're and I make more money them at my club than I would them going somewhere else to watch a show because I'm getting the door, I'm getting the drinks, I'm getting everything else. So sending them somewhere else doesn't make sense unless there's got to be some cooperation with them. It's almost just shining a light on yeah. what you're doing downtown, so they don't exactly. know you're like the Velvet Room is open, for example, seven nights a week too. So they have posters up now. They're saying Absolute Comedy. So if they know their show is there, they could go see it there. But if they want to do something on a Tuesday, they know where we're open too. So right. we might, we'll get some cross business. So there's a strategy. Way. I mean, obviously there's strategy behind it. It's not just a simple is like well i want to i want to have more as long, rooms yeah, as long as the rooms are doing it and doing it with the the strictness that absolute comedy does it right because your, your logo's probably. on it yeah. right it represents it if you and that's a, a very yeah, i always say there's a lot I mean, logos on that stage so we have to have this proper if not we're yeah. going to because they'll associate uh you know a dog and pony show with absolute comedy go well yeah. we didn't like that not realize that it's not yeah no no i'm, I'm definitely another reason why amateurs doing the show if it looks bad and they mention my name on it <laughs> absolute comedy right i don't want them associated with working for me Right, absolutely. If you're doing a horrible room, horrible room, and then I woke up one nighter and I and I'm, I pay the comic two hundred bucks, I'm going to use this guy. And this, well, I saw that guy on a, on a crappy but Mike night. Yeah, he did. Why are you booking me amateurs? No, I book professionals. Yeah. It was a free show, and they that's bombed. why I don't. That's why I don't like the guys, my a guys working like really crappy open mic or shitty mm-hmm. rooms. They can do yunks. They can do paid good gigs. Well, it's a reflection of your abilities. It's yeah. it's that sort of. I remember one of the things that you said to me early on was when I was doing open mics. You said, "What did you get paid?" And I said, "Nothing." And you go, "Well, now I know what you're worth." Yeah, and it's true. If it, like I, I'll, I'll uh, use this metaphor very quickly because it is a sort of a different to- topic, and I want to kind of. Because I could pay the same thing for the same show at my place well, now because you got nothing for that one. Well, it's not the same. No, it is. It's like going to Walmart, right? I mean, Walmart has a reputation for giving away things at the cheapest cheapest cost, right? But when you go and look at a TV in Walmart. And it's three hundred bucks, and it's Magnaphonics or, or hmm. you know, por- you know, <laughs> whatever it is, Sorny or whatever. It's not a real. It's not a and not a brand you recognize. But they're selling. Yes, they're selling TVs for a cheaper price. But you know that those TVs are a not brands that you recognize, not brands that you trust. And Pioneer and and all the big brands yeah, are not going Samsung to give their there. products to Walmart, right? Because Walmart's going to sell them for nothing. And then a big box store that's specialty or whatever go well. We we don't want to sell your products here. And they go, why not? It's because you're selling them at Walmart for nothing. So why am I going to pay you more and know that all of my customers are going to go somewhere else? Or they'll get the lower lower versions of that product. So again, this, exactly. the low-end Samsung so you 300 know that level rather than the 5,000 level exactly. you'll get at Best Buy. The higher exactly. The, the, what is the fuck? <laughs> Samsung. That's yeah. the brand I was trying to think of. But the whole idea is that you know that if you want a high-end thing, you go here. And if you want a low-end thing, you go there. And if somebody wants to be paid as high-end, they can't go giving themselves away for nothing because then you get associated with the low-end. Or why would someone else pay you as high-end when they know you're giving yourself away as low-end? So anyways, that's that's sort of one of the metaphors I've used. Now, I wanted to ask you two quick things before we do the, the quick break is um, I want to know if you can remember any particular high points 
just any throughout the course right now of, of when absolute comedy started to where you are now, do you remember any particular milestones, just parts where you were really proud, anything that really happened that stands out that, that when you're thinking back of what you've done so far is something that, that really stands out for you besides mentoring Josh Williams. And, uh, <laughs> one day, uh, big deal for me was when Yuckix opened across the street, the Prescott and I was doing one show Friday. I went to two shows Friday and I sold them all out the whole summer. That was the biggest Thing for me yeah so instead of it being like uh because so that was that was clearly start, a move to just, put you out of business they, they figured well, that they, just, or just to be on the street and be part of it but i just i just see if it, they think they could hurt hurt what i was doing what it did was just made me that angry made me work harder to fill the room right and i doubled my advertising and got two shows friday which i normally wouldn't do and i kept the two shows friday continually for six more years well it's like the success is the best revenge kind of thing is like they tried to they tried to sort of hit you where you live and and you made them. And all it did was it. confuse. All it did was confuse people. That was that. That was a big odd mistake. Now right. that because I remember that period of time when people would say, "Oh, do you perform on Preston?" And I would say, "Yes." And they go, "Oh, up upstairs, what it's downstairs in the basement." And I'd say, "No, that's you're thinking of yuck yucks at the Prescott. Absolute comedy is the one across the street with the lineup out front." Yeah, and just and walking <laughs> and walking over there, and there was ten people in the room, and I had one hundred eighty people, two shows. Yeah. You know, yeah. not, and all pain, and that's you know, like that, and that's that unfortunately was, like not to, to come at yuck yucks. Yeah, I, again, I obviously that, that's just my, that's just the bit that you said hi. That was that was. A but big to me, that to be proud of what I was doing that, and I was doing it right. Yeah, and in my area, I've got direct competition right next to me. And then I well, to me, that's it, the know. reason that that failed. And I'm sorry to to say again, not to come at anybody, but the reason that yuck yucks the Prescott failed is because, as we were saying at the beginning of this podcast, is their intention was not to do a good product. Their their focus was to try to compete or or push their. I don't, I don't know if that's true. I, I think I think they I, wanted to do something just to be in the area. I, th- I think maybe it is, but I'm saying the focus was not. Hey, let's put out the best possible. The product is how do we get involved? They weren't focusing on what they were doing. They were focusing on what you were doing and yeah. trying to 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 affect it. Whether it be obviously not, they're not trying to affect you. Why would you? But well, again, the, the Costco. Why would you move or expand? A place that close Until by you're when full yourself. other full there, like completely yeah. full off the nuts chart, off the, yep. off the, off the charts, like ex- so full all the time. That's open somewhere else. Yeah. Right. And that's when I did. And that's what I'm saying. The they're not way. focused on their business. They're focused on your business, which is nice to know that there's, and, and that's not, you know what? It's a question it's I meant to put on here. Actually, you think about it. Well, yeah, there's a question I meant to put on here that I forgot. And was to say that, uh, now oh, fucking, I forgot it two seconds later. My brain's mush. My, my listeners know that from some, from time to time, but. Yeah, no, it's gone. It's if it gone. comes, if it comes yeah. back, I'll, I'll think it was just sure, there and then it was come, gone. It'll come back. But uh, do you remember any uh, particular low points? Yeah, losing the liquor license for a week was pretty crappy for no reason. Some, someone smoked a joint in the parking lot. Right, we have to we have to we have to monitor our parking lot now. That was just some asshole uh, guy from the LCBO. Sorry, uh, AGCO that just was coming by and was just bugging everybody. He gave away three three warnings or three uh, suspensions oh, really? that night. Myself, Hart Crown got one for two weeks. I got one and a couple other things. Just he was just on a mission to penalize people for nothing. Usually they they more they more like tell you what hey be careful don't do this again or else right and they give you a warning. But that was just a nonstop thing. Anyway, that just was just crappy and embarrassing. Right, and, and that's when you moved it to tailgaters for the week. Yeah, and ended up just and we did some renovations. It worked out, and we got lucky. We got to pick our week, right? Yep, and that was pretty crappy. They so. really they let you pick the week that you're closed. Yeah, that's you, 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 had, cool. you had to be, you had basically between uh, they've changed it now, but it had to be from February and and like June. You had to pick a week to close. Really, which is weird because how is that helping them? 
like losing tax I revenues guess, and everything else. It's just to punish me to be careful. Otherwise, this is right. going to happen. Which, which but I think makes it's kind of cool to be like just. I think it just gives you just in case you have like a particularly busy week, or maybe if you have things booked, it's going to cost you. So, I don't know. I, to, to me, my interpretation of you said hey, we got shut down. I would feel like they're like you're shut down. Doors closed tonight. And they're not open again for a week. Like, you know, suspended from school. They don't go, what week would you rather stay home? Is there a uh, talk show? I think, I think the reasonable part of that is that what if you have some party booked next week and mm. you have to call them and cancel? Like they, don't want, they don't want to hurt your business. They just want to slap you on the wrist. Right. They're so going to cost you, know, you revenues cost but not you, hurt yeah. you as much as possible. That's what I'm saying. So you like can plan for it and work around it, whatever, staff vacation or something on that trip. Now, that's whatever. And anyways, it was reasonable. got us thinking about what we were doing. We had to be a lot more careful with, you know, drinking after hours. Right. You know, uh, you know, making sure we're stopping last call just before two o'clock. There's nothing on the table at two forty-five. Your staff aren't drinking, which is the hardest thing in the world to do with a bar staff. I don't care who owns a bar or restaurant. Right. Keeping your staff sober and not high and actually doing their job properly is the yeah. ho- comics are easy. Be honest. Yeah. I'll tell you, my experience with comics, I've had two arguments, two fights in ten years. Right. I'll argue with my staff once a week. Yeah. Like wait, that's staff, it. Well, yeah, at least <laughs> you know sure. doorman getting someone to do the, the sound and lighting right, getting a, a kitchen staff. You know, we're just all potheads. Well, that's right. something people just don't know too. Is just well, work to their, they all that. work their asses off, by the way. But they're just right. they're just hard. They're just hard to work with. Well, it's it's one of those things too. Like a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, there are laws. It's not like you go to a bar and they just they're like a retail store. Yeah, we're closed at nine. All right, everyone take take your take your take your drinks up to the cashes and pay for the, your purchases. You know you're what I mean? Like you're, it's dealing, just, you're working you're with dealing people with drunks. Who, yeah, and they're like, and then I and half of them are your staff yeah or they have or they abuse alcohol or drugs of some kind they're dealing with and they're young right they just they don't care they they're not making ninety thousand dollars a year in salary they're making that in tips probably but not in salary ninety thousand dollars a year 50 maybe Okay, fifty to sixty. I get, depending, I get close to that. I'd say closer to fifty. Hey, if you're than working, if you're a bar, bar bartender in a good restaurant or a server in a restaurant like right. you have you're making you're making fifty to one hundred grand a year, easy. Absolutely, hundred bucks a night in tips. Do the math on that. Plus, your salary is not. They don't even count their salary half the time. Anyway. Is that the? Uh, is that uh, that's the only low point that you can think? It's all I can think of right now. Okay, fair enough. I don't I'll have. Th- any I'll think about it. I'll think about another one. I, I know that you had a very close friend of yours when. Uh, when you first opened Absolute. Well, Jocko? Yeah. That was a low point, but that had really nothing to do with the club part. That was just a No, no, but I just mean for you. Life, this yeah. is this is you. Obviously, Absolute Comedy is a big part of who you are. It's just funny because someone, not funny, but someone three days ago asked me what happened to Jocko. And it's like, it's, they didn't know? No, and they said I'd showed him the poster on the wall, and they both started crying. It was, it was really, really weird. Wow. <laughs> they didn't know. They'd seen him. They didn't know he was They dead. didn't know he'd passed away. They saw him like four years ago, but they hadn't been to the club. And people think people, there's one thing that proved to me, is people think people go to comedy once like comics think people go to comedy once a mm-hmm. week people go to comedy one and a half times a year maybe right that's a good customer twice a year maybe all right these right. customers had been to the club and loved it had been three times in 10 years mm-hmm. so the last time they was over four years ago when jock would perform wow. four years ago but then they went in their heads they were comedy lovers right they liked it but they hadn't been back in four years that's something you have to re-advertise and make sure they come back again yeah you know anyway so yeah, yeah. that was the crappy week and there's whatever but that's it's not really anything with the club part so well no but i just mean just but even just someone to know you and what you've gone through he was a good friend of mine and worked regularly at the club and he was my my a guy i used probably he was like you replaced him probably as one of the guys i used more often Mm because he was so versatile i could headline he'd MC for me you know he'd work for peanuts 
You know, you, <laughs> in the comic, that's a good that you give the big gigs to, and, and right. we'll also do a gig for you for a favor. Yeah, he, you know, for for the small amounts because hey, let's yeah, he just do this gig. Doesn't turn his nose is, up at the yeah, other stuff. Yeah, once this is a promo gig. Level. Let's do this one. You know, yeah. like, do this maybe, but I'll give you this other gig for this much money. He would drive in from out of town. Yeah, you know, and do those gigs two hours away. He considered him. He was actually one of the last guys who was actually just does comedy. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. He never had another job. He just did comedy, and he toured all over the place with me and with other companies and through the states as well because he had dual citizenship. So he's lucky that he got to he do dual com- citizenship. Fuck. Yeah. So he got he got that. lucky enough to be able to work, you know, and just do comedy. You know. So for anyone who doesn't know that Jocko was Jocko and Jay were uh, were were good friends. Uh, Jocko was very nice to me. He's one of those guys that uh, in the business is respected by everybody. Um, just just to give him a little shut. I mean, it's it's been years. Uh, yeah, Jocko he did, Alston. He did. He worked. Yeah, he worked just before Christmas. Worked seventeen straight shows with me. Then went home. Tuesday, I saw him Monday afternoon. Mm-hmm. He went home Tuesday, sent out his Christmas cards. He had a heart attack Tuesday night and died in the overnight. And then I got my Christmas card on the Friday. Oh, let's, yeah. let's just depress all your listeners now. That's well, it's, uh, you know, but that, that stuff happens. I mean, a lot of people, like I said, I, I told people that it took me a long time to even realize Jock was gone because in comedy guys, we see people once a year just as part of how comedy works. People are in different places. They live in different cities. So sometimes you don't see someone for a few years anyways. And I, I saw Jocko. Jocko was always very kind to me. I worked with him many times. Uh, I had the opportunity to learn from him. He was very, very well respected. And so I saw him, uh, he was here at the club the week before. And, uh, I, I, you know, I said, Merry Christmas to him, gave him a hug and and he passed away just a few just a few days later like it was and it was such a, a shock to everybody and i remember you were saying when you got the text well, I message about a, sh- a shock yes but i mean he was overweight started smoking cigarettes when he was 35 and never exercised not a big shock but it's still a shock like cuz he wouldn't really have anything <laughs> he was just all of a sudden right right it's going to happen to me too only i live across the hall from but you don't you, smoke so you're just hear, no Right, and then really, what's the big, okay? We can talk about that as another episode of smoking. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you, we're talking about highlights and, and low points. Two high, two highlights too. By the, around Jonko, one of the highlights of of my career in comedy, oh, in the comedy club, is was we had a fundraiser for him to raise money for his daughter. He had a three year old daughter that mm-hmm. you know he couldn't, he didn't have a lot of money anyway. So we tried to put. I want to get a fun Canadian so entertainer. One of the nicest I'll things I've done in my life, we raised close to fifteen thousand dollars. I filled up. Uh, Wednesday night at $20 ticket, sold it out. I pulled every single favor from every single advertiser I know and friend and, that I know and filled that room. I could have sold it over twice at $20 tickets. We raised, okay, I might be 15, I might be $13,000. My yeah. staff donated That's their hours. That's a lot hours. of money for one yeah. night. Staff donated their hours and their tips to, to the to the fund to give enough money. We got a good fund raised to, for his daughter. Then the low point, his sister, I loved his sister, stole all the money. Yeah. So his daughter got not one cent. Yeah. Went to court twice over two years with his sister who took all the money and went on vacation with it. Yeah. I put it in a fund for that so she can access it because she's the only person that was close to it. And right. she, she was just, like the she, she systematically took out over six months, like a thousand bucks, twelve hundred. And then I noticed it and say, Hey, what's this? She goes, Oh, I'm sorry. Then before I can close the account, she took the rest of it. Went wow. to court, got two thousand back that paid for my lawyer's fees, and then got nothing for the end of it. So yeah. his daughter got nothing from a ton of work that we did. Yeah. And one of the nicest, not okay, uh, nicest things, one of the most effort I put into trying to do something nice for somebody. Yeah. And I even felt weird, you know, taking charge of that because I said, what if, I don't want to touch that money. I want to put it somewhere right. where two people can <laughs> yeah. keep an eye on it together. Then she took it all. It's one of those, it's like one of those moments where you fucking hate the world. Where oh God. You yeah. just, you just go, you know what? Like you try and you try. It's, you know what? And that's, that's the thing too. For anyone who's just going, you know, I've done shit, tried to help people out. What's it? You know what? 
if if you have any believing in the, in the afterlife yeah. or anything like that, at least at least he saw what everybody tried to do, and yeah. at least you know what. You know what? And in every, all honesty, and in everyone everybody, in the community saw what everyone did. tried to yeah. do. His friends, so, you saw his friends were. You saw the staff, how much they liked the guy, yeah, and how much they you know they, they you know liked me as well for doing it with me. And yeah. trusting me to put this together for them. So that, that was cool, you know, but the end of the, yeah, whatever. Well, yeah, but like I said, but if anything else is just people knows, let's put it this way. Maybe someday something will happen to somebody else and people will know that you're the right person to spearhead something for afterwards. It just, it's like everything else in life. You, you live and learn. Jam it up. My heart's going to explode and you're going to have to do this for me and my family. <laughs> so I believe in you. Uh, don't give the money. Don't give the money to Jocko's sister. Okay. Because uh, if someone's going to spend that on cheeseburgers, I'd rather it be me. We'll have a pre-death fundraiser. We'll um, raise money for the seventy-two people we need to carry your. <laughs> so we're uh, we're we're done the, the the first part. There's only two parts. Don't worry. But I'm gonna I'm just gonna take a second, give you a, a second to to take a drink. I'm enjoying the delicious Summersby, by the way. Which it's delicious. not bad, eh? It's it's growing on me. But it's sweet, surprisingly sweet, by the way. For if you think a rhubarb would be like tart, but it's actually a little bit sweet. So. Yeah, the uh, the elder uh, elderflower lime is like that too. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and just play uh, a little promo for, for the club we've been talking about here, Absolute Comedy. Absolute Comedy is the best live stand-up comedy from across North America with locations in Kingston, Toronto, and Ottawa, Ontario. These comedians have been featured on Just for Laughs, Netflix, Comedy Central, CBC's The Debaters, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Conan, The Comedy Network, and much, much more. Go to absolutecomedy.ca to see this week's lineup. Planning a night out is easy with dinner and show packages available at all locations. Live comedy is a great choice if you're organizing a celebration, fundraiser, company outing, or corporate event. Want the show brought to you? They'll send comedians to your venue with performances tailored to your event, creating a night of laughs your guests will love and won't soon forget. So for showtimes, ticket prices, gift certificates, special shows, and more, head to absolutecomedy.ca. Again, that's absolutecomedy.ca for the best live stand-up comedy from across North America. And we're back. And by we're back, I mean I'm back. The uh, Jason went to the washroom because we are drinking Summersby, and of course the first part was an hour. Um, you can just say it to me. What do we talk about the oh, contest? That's, that's, oh, yeah, it's all in the notes here. That's that basically the end of the first part was your origin story, everything with your absolute comedy. Um, what I was going to say too is, is since absolute comedy opened, uh, you know, it's, it hasn't just acquired comedians, you know, independence and things like that. You've also been a part of developing comedians, and like I said before, myself included. And and you and I, after working together, I mean, the reason open mic or what do you call it? Yeah, absolute comedy is open seven nights a week is because together you and I started uh, open mic Mondays. We we basically put the last piece of the puzzle for the seven days thing. We started that, and that gives uh, you know comics another night uh, opportunity to work on stuff. But a few years ago, we created the Prove Your Comic competition, which wasn't as simple as just putting guys on stage. Yeah, um, by the way, Josh was a big part of that with me as well. My it was my idea, but we kind of brainstormed it together. So. Yeah, and it gives it gives amateurs an opportunity. This is not so much like, hey, here's more stage time. This was a direct opportunity because one of the problems with being a, a new guy is you do amateur nights, you do amateur nights, you do amateur nights, and you kind of go, okay, but what do I do next? And some guys, you know, have the the gumption to walk up to a, a staff member or an owner and say, hey, I want to perform on the weekends too. And some people don't. Some people wait, they could sit and wait to be seen, or they could make a bit of an effort to be seen. Absolutely, yeah. and this competition sort of helps with some of the uh, the weaker willed people. Not to say that they all are, but just in the sense that the the prove your comic competition is effectively it's a four week 
you know, five week competition with four initial weeks and the, you know, everybody gets narrowed down like any other tournament style thing. And the winner of the prove your comic competition gets to, you know, not only perform on weekends, but he performs, he or she performs at all three comedy clubs for pay and a, and a cash grand prize. And we can talk about the process. And there's also, yeah, they get to perform at all three clubs, which is what they're hope, hopefully looking to do to eventually work in a club for a whole weekend. Right. And I also give them just for laugh showcases and any kind of resources I can have, I have as a, as an owner to get them in front of just for laughs or Winnipeg. And yeah. actually last year, uh, Joe Vu, who was my mm-hmm. Joe Vu and, uh, forward HP out of Toronto, both got, uh, the just for laughs homegrown and Winnipeg comedy festival. Yep. They both did very, from very a showcase well. they did because they, I saw them performing at my club during this competition. Well, and that's, that's a, like, that's what's so important too, is because, uh, the competition just for a real quick breakdown, um, is, Every Monday, nine people compete. There's there's uh, anywhere from eight to 12 judges that rank them. From those nine, five move forward to both Tuesday and Wednesday nights at Absolute Comedy. So on the Tuesday and Wednesday, the following Tuesday and Wednesday, of course, the, the night after, um, audience votes. Every single person who comes to the show gets a ballot. They rank the comics. Who one through five. It's kind of like, like, a, yeah. like a voting thing for uh, like po- political type yeah. votes where you're voting for the like a leader of your party. So you can't use a first and a second ballot, right? So right. you're not just picking who you like the most. You're picking like second, third, fourth, and fifth. Exactly. A lot of people rank them. They misunderstand and they think, oh, I got to give them the score one through five. So no, there's there's only one, one, two, one, yeah. two, one, three. You know what I mean? And you rank them in that order because that hard, helps it's us. Hard, it's hard to do as an audience member. Going, Which guy do you like the best? Now, you might know the best person you like. Right. But, but you may not know second, second and third. third and who's the last. But if they're all good, you got to put someone last. And right? that helps with the fairness because if someone brings friends, it's not like a vote where you just put a vote. Oh, that's my guy. No. Because the the two, three, four, five, yeah. that helps really pull the winner out because if they put number two as the person that they actually thought was funniest or whatever, the idea is it's it's a system that's been designed so it's not like one night and then you're out. Yeah. And, you know, it's and not, it's the two nights and it's two nights and you're in different orders the two nights. Once you once you make past that initial five people out of the nine, the mm-hmm. preliminary Monday night, get into the get into the top five. That just eliminates half of the the ones that are ready to do this. Now, well, and right? one of the one of the the biggest biggest values. So let's say you don't even get past the Wednesday, at at their level to be able to do three shows night after night at and absolute comedy, club. yeah, in like, a competitive environment with you know structure, and, absolutely, and, and someone be able to listen and talk to you afterwards to watch and make sure you know hey this watch this try this absolutely. And each week the person who has scores the highest moves on to the finals. So there's four weeks. Four finalists. There is a fifth position available, which is the wild card. So while the audience picks the four, uh, Jason, other staff members, audience responses, all that basically dictate who that fifth is. So if anyone really shows merit, but of course didn't get the votes, there is a fifth uh, yeah, spot. That open. Was sort of a house pick, like my, my pick, who I liked. Because I'm going to be at all the shows too. I'll be watching yep. all nine preliminaries. And Jason, sure. Jason sticks around after each show uh, and gives notes to the amateurs. So yeah. um, I'll know, sit with the judges who are willing. Like usually, most of them will sit and we. Can chat and just talk to you if you if you want to hear it if the comics want to hear what we think you know if they care when well, maybe there's something you hear that's great well, maybe there's something that uh you two craps about but maybe yeah. if you if you keep your mind open and look for some well i try to be positive too and say listen this is what worked well this is what's not gonna work right you know, in and my the, club and the thing too is is a lot of people don't understand this but i mean uh comedy club owners can't be there all the time. And even, even if you ask them to be there, they can't be. I think we've illustrated in the first part of this episode that you've got three clubs to run. You've got advertising, you've got comedians to book, you've got, you know, uh, repairs and things like that. You've basically, you've got a lot of pots 
on the stove. So when people are like, well, why doesn't Jason come and watch my set? I'm like, well, think of how many hundreds of comedians he has, how many people want him paying attention to what's going on with them specifically. So this competition, another really special thing about it, and, and being able to sit down with Jason afterwards is the fact that he's going to see your performance. Plus, he's I'll bring some other comics with me too to give you an advance to watch you and actually take notes through the whole set, watch that and like give you specific notes. Yep. On what, hey, stand this way or watch this joke. Maybe this line didn't work. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very valuable resource to be able to actually sit down with the club owner, um, regardless of what club it is. Because keep in mind, these are the people who are going to give you the work. So if someone says, "Here's what I want to see," if you want me, you may not win this competition. But if the person says, "Here's what I liked about you," here's what I didn't, and here's this what you could do, what you if could do you in order to, to go get forward and exactly. work on this over the next six to eight months, you know. Mm-hmm. And I would also, another thing too, saying the competition or not, a lot of comics that hang out too, one of my biggest points I have is new guys who never stick around and hang out and talk with actual professional comics. Like I have headliners here that got 25 years experience. Guido Cocomelo, for example, who was, who was in last week, yeah. this week, but last week when right. we were doing this, <laughs> right? I mean, he's, he's in LA now, living in LA, doing, doing shows, he's doing showcases and no one's, no one, no amateur comic who wants this for a living is talking to a guy who just moved to LA. So yep. listen, how'd you get there? How'd you get your card? How did you... Where are you staying? How are you making money there? Who do you talk to? Where, how do you get in these other clubs? There's so many questions but that they'll these take people have the answer with, to. Yeah, yeah, and hang out with other amateurs instead of talking to the professionals. That was one of the things that I had going for me when I was new is I, I approached you very early on in my career and I asked to be a doorman at your club. I said, if you need anyone in the kitchen, the front door, whatever it is, servers, uh, I'll be here. You gave me a job as a doorman. And I would stay after the shows and, and there were guys who would take off. There was, there was little open mic. Um, I don't want to call them clicks cause they weren't exactly that, but they were groups of guys who would go to a bar or whatever on Elgin and hang out and they would all talk about comedy. I'd gone with them a few times, but they were all talking about comedy. Well, that's, that's fine talking too. Talking about just who, like, who deserved, yeah. who deserved to be getting the gigs. Tell them how great, they, how great they all are. That's well, not going to, it was a lot of guys talking about comedy, but I go, these were all guys who weren't headliners. And so in my head, this was not a, a discrimination thing or, even, or a negative. Even full middle acts or MCs. Yeah, even like a, just touring, actual working comedians. For me, I wanted to talk to the headliners. I go, these yeah. are the guys who are where I would like to be someday. So I'm not I'm not going to ask someone who's not a CEO, how do I become a CEO? I'm no. going to ask a guy who's doing it to say, hey, how do you do it? So I had the opportunity to talk with these guys and get to know them, spend time with them. Um, in fact, in doing the door and working with, with the comics and stuff like that, I think at one point you had given me the job of taking over tailgaters and setting that up. Which was another resource and opportunity. You get to for hang me. in the car with them and chat with them. And well, they, they a get lot to of see times, and they'll talk. They'll talk with you once they know and trust you. you know? Well, the thing too was that you, uh, the tailgaters was on Tuesday night, which was the first night of the week. So anytime new comedians came to town, the first person that they would meet representing the club would be me. So I would, I would talk with them that night. I'd give them a lift back to the condo. So I would build rapport with these guys right from the get-go. And then, of course, I'd be at the club the rest of the week sitting, talking with them. So I developed really good friendships with a lot of guys early on only because I just took the time to sit there and, and talk to them, get to know them. So I say the same thing now when, when guys will do an open mic Monday and they'll say, hey, um, you know, I'm going to take off because I got them to try to get on another room or whatever. I go, well, you can do that. Or if you want, you can talk to some of the other guys on the show because we have so and so here. Now, open mic Mondays, you're not going to have all the biggest headliners. You're not. But, but, if they're, but they're other nights, the club and hanging out Tuesdays and, and Wednesdays, they're there. As soon as the shows are, they're gone. Yeah, and we sit and chat with the headliner and see, have a beer with them. And, see and these are resources go, you that doing? cost you, you nothing. Yeah, absolutely. They cost you absolutely nothing to ask questions. But but knowledge is power. The more you learn about about yeah. the business and what's going on, the more you can grasp. So you're going to learn something from a, your doctor who's just got out of med school or a doctor with 45 years experience. 
Right. Right? This guy will know. Now, the new guy does know some new stuff. Great. But the other guy knows how to get there, how to be successful at that job, even though they're both good. How do you successful at being that way? Like absolutely. Well, it's it's like working out. You know, you can you can get to a certain point. If you stop doing it, you're gonna you're muscle. You got to keep at it. Um, I'm I'm a perfect example of that. I have not kept at the craft part. I've learned a lot about the business, but I, I see the difference in myself. Um, I, I was gonna ask you what's the the value, of course, of developing amateurs as well. But you you touched on that earlier in the sense that. In yeah, trying to I'm, have I'm, a yeah, roster. People think I'm against this, but I need, I like to have some new faces and blood. And, and, and well, it helps rooms, everybody right? get better because the there's a natural rotation yeah. to things, which I'm going to actually get to in a second. I want to have some new guys on the weekends and see how they are. Like, and people love to watch somebody who's just the light in their face when they're, when they're up on stage, how much fun they're having. They, audience can sense that, yeah. that they're enjoying themselves and they're, they just, oh, it's such a, it's a bucket list thing for them to do to be there on this weekend and how excited they are. Right. Right. Do you have any, any suggestions? Um, any general advice you give to new comedians? And I don't, I don't necessarily mean if it's for the competition, feel free, but I mean competition aside as well. Do you have any general advice that you would give someone who goes, Hey, I want to do it or who's just starting to do it? Qua- qua- quality over quantity for shows you're doing. Doing 50 shows a month makes no difference if they're all garbage and rehearse your set and act. Know your beginning, know your middle, know your ending. Rehearse it at home, practice it at home in the shower or on a videotape or some videotape or something at home. Then when you get to the club, it's rehearsed and it's practiced. And you have a set that's that's in that order, right? But doing but doing and just throwing and writing a joke on the bus and doing it an open mic night in front of seven people not going to help. Mm-hmm. Write stuff and write it down. I get that. But on my stage, pro stage, you should be you should be showcasing every right. time you're performing and killing. Right? Yeah. Okay. No, that's fair advice. That's yeah. Fair stand advice. forward. Be confident. Know what you're doing. Right. Run the jokes by someone else. You know, I always do that too. I'd write the joke down. Try it with a friend if it works. Then throw it on stage. Of course, sandwich in the middle. Sandwich the new stuff in the middle. Start 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 strong and end strong with a joke that you were planning on closing with. So yeah. check your time in the middle part and close with what you want. Don't just go to the light as on and say thank you. That's my time and say good night. That's just so amateurishy and so you know immature to me. Like just undisciplined to me. Yeah. Was now is there anything that you would say to somebody who has never done stand up who wants to do it? Anybody who's looking and maybe feels like because again we don't, say I don't do up. it. We have enough. <laughs> There's enough. Okay. Hey, give it. No, you know what? To it. try it for fun, but look at what you want to do. Are you doing this for fun or do you want to do it for fun? Everyone should do it. It's incredible feeling, incredible buzz to get on stage and get up and, and, and do okay. Even if you did okay the first time, it's such a rush, right? But if you want to do this, you know, if you want to do this for a living, you know, have some discipline with it and don't take a spot up eventually for someone who really wants to do this and that's their life. They, I want to do this for a living. So you're thinking more like like try it a couple times, scratch it off the list, and then stop? If no, don't stop. But just just if you're gonna do it, do it. Okay, right. And that's a good piece of Don't advice. just don't just you know if you have you get one spot a month at my club. Don't rehearse your set ten minutes before you go on stage. You should be preparing for the week before that for right. that set. Right. Like just like if it was a just for laugh showcase. Just think of that. Like you know, like prepare for that set. You know. Well, there was someone over the years when I was first starting. Because when I was first starting, the the amateur spots were very important. That's the only time I could get on stage. And I remember there were people who would do the same set every week. And we're talking month in, month out, year in, year out, the same set. It wouldn't go well. And they would almost say the same thing every time getting off stage going, I'm just having fun. Like that dismisses them never getting any better. And I would say to them, you know what? You might not want to be. Um, and I think this goes for everybody. Anyone who's actually listening to this and maybe taking notes. Um, this goes for everybody. Um, if you were doing woodworking, 
all right, just as a hobby, you like to whittle in your garage, make sculptures, you would try to get better. You wouldn't just stay shitty at it and go, well, I'm not really trying to make money off of it. And how do you do learn to get better? Right. So the whole idea practice. is that nobody, nobody who does anything that they're, they're, whether they're just having fun or not, you don't do it and not try to get better at it. So and you don't even do it with crappy tools either. You don't exactly. use crappy tools. You make sure the tools you have are, the, are as good as possible. Absolutely. That's the thing. So I dismissing it. today here on that. Eh, we'll we try. The one man podcast. Uh, we, uh, one, well, thing else, one thing I'll say too is sure. off stage is extremely important as well. How you, how you, you're on time for the shows that you hang out a little bit afterwards, say hi to everybody that you treat the staff properly. That you tip. That right. you, that the These staff, are all people who are going to recommend you one liking day. Liking you. You know what? The comedy club in, um, Winnipeg rumors he picks the staff picks his his two favorite comics for New Year's Eve and two other Christmas really? shows. His staff picks the comics for him. He books them all. Then their favorites. So what they like, how they will leave the audience, they see that. But a lot of comics do really well, but my staff don't like them because right. they don't hang out afterwards. They don't they don't drink. They're older. They go home right after the shows. But you know, hanging out a little bit. You don't have to hang out for three well, hours. Well, likability is important on stage, but so it's be, important off stage. Be as genuine well. to them, courteous as you walk in house. Everything. Know the names of the staff. Why not? Yeah. At any club you're at, any club you work at, say hi. How you doing? Well, anyone doing you've Martin? met five or six times, I I know I know a bunch of people who go. You know what? I've met that person over and over and over. I don't again. know. They never name. remember yeah. my name. You know what I mean? What's that comic? I don't know. What's his name? Is it of comics that have been on for yeah. the whole week, and nine managers even and, know they're on the show. And people remember being slighted like yeah. that. They know they don't necessarily go. Well, what a piece of. But you remember? You go. You know what? I've met that guy four times, and obviously, I'm not important enough for him to remember my name. Jay Leno would do that. He would every club he would go into. He would know all the managers' names, all the servers' names, all the yep. doormen's. He would say, "How you doing?" He would write them down. Whoever and he did memorize them, and they go, "How you doing?" And they would just go, oh "My God, that's Jay." How does he remember your names? Well, you he took the time to care about it. You you do that too occasionally. You'd be like, "Hey, who's a who's a guy I should use for?" Or you know, who's someone I should use for? And and when people go, "Oh, this person, I like this person," they'll recommend the people yeah. that they like. If you're a jerk, you're not staff, even on yeah. their mind. Even if I can't be there, I'll ask my staff how the show went. I'll ask my doorman. I'll ask my box office guys how did so and so do last night. I heard I got a bad review, or I got a good review did he do that well is he ready to move up is right. he ready to do a spot yet is he ready to do a weekend yeah right and although they'll even approach me without me asking hey this guy's done so well you gotta move him up and i said okay let me have a look at him and that's that that takes a lot of sense to me and i take it really really strongly if a well, staff says this guy's killing it's really good advice obviously to 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 be be mindful of how you are off stage just as much as you are on stage and as i said before um whether you want to do it you know, as a career, or if you're just doing it as a hobby, either way, you should do it with excellence. There's no excuse for not, you know, um, yeah, prepare, putting your all into everything your that set. you do. I used to do a set a month and I would prepare for two weeks to do my set. If it was the same thing, fine. I would rehearse it. I would do it so many times that I, when I went on stage, something new would come out of it or to act on the mannerism I was doing, even if it was an old joke. Right. Yeah. But, to yeah, always but be I'm improving. Prepared. Yeah. So when I got there, I didn't have a note set list with a notepad on stage because I knew what I was doing. I put it in my pocket just for a backup, right. just in case. But I knew what I was about to do. Yeah. And I knew it was going to be seven. That's, that's something that I think that you believe very strongly oh, in I as hate well. having notes. Yeah. So people who go on stage with notes and attire, do you want to hit on that? Yeah. I just dress dress like you just didn't fix your truck and yeah. walked on stage. Or There was someone on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, of course, this is last week when you hear it, but it was this week. Tuesday night, who, was, who went on stage with sandals? And I said, don't ever let Jason see you go on stage with Sandy. He goes, are you serious? And I go, well, yeah, yeah he just looks like that. And then the host, who we won't name on this, then the host goes, are you serious? I go, absolutely. And uh, they, <laughs> as I say he, I'd be lying. Uh, they looked down at their at their shoes and showed me sandals as well. And I go, I'm, I'm not kidding yet. Don't don't wear sandals on stage. Yeah, dress like people are paying money to see you. 
Dress for the job you want. You don't have to wear a suit and tie, but look like you're on a date. You know, like that you're giving a crap at the audience. Like you're meeting your girlfriend's parents and you're about to do some jokes with them. Yeah. Like, do you want to wear like a a stained t-shirt and, and, you know, ripped jeans? You know, like something nice, trendy that you could, there's got to be something in everyone's closet that they could wear on it. It looks okay. I refer to it as like building equity with them first. Like if you want to make a withdrawal, so you tell a joke that may not go well, you kind of want to build at least a little bit of a... Uh, an equity that you can withdraw from. You can't just go into overdraft. You got to put a little something into the account, look presentable. And then if it doesn't go they're well, they go money okay. on a side. They're paying 17 bucks. They don't want to see a punk, right? With ripped jeans and a t-shirt on. Looks like you didn't give a crap and comb his hair, right? Like, like you don't have to wear a suit and tie. It's got to fit your style, but certainly there's a, a $70 or $50 shirt or $40 nice t-shirt you can buy that will look nice and something a little different. Right. You can express yourself without being, yeah. if the expression that you're giving on stage is, I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, you know, you can you can look and you'll whatever get, your you'll style get a is. little bit more respect. And I know a lot of comics who told me that that once they started giving a little bit of crap, even Jocko was a perfect example. So he started dressing up a little bit, and he started caring about his set. He he stepped up his set to yeah. from from a middle to a headliner to a, to a very good headliner. Yeah, well, Matt because Davis, his attitude changed by the way he he cared about himself. So care about what you look like. Care about what you're on stage. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be a runway model and look gorgeous. And, no, of course you know, not. And have anything revealing or anything like that. But you got to just look like you're on a date. Yeah. Well, Matt Davis is a perfect example. Or a job He's, interview. Right. Okay. Yeah. But anything where you want to be taken seriously. Yeah. Right? You wouldn't go to a job interview with ripped jeans in it. And you're not you know? going to go to a McDonald's job interview in a suit and tie. No. So you're going to at least wear a nice collared shirt and not yeah. look like you, you know, brushed your teeth and combed your hair once. Otherwise, they're not going to hire you. Well, that's why I bring up Matt Davis because Matt Davis would wear a three-piece suit. But Matt Davis would talk about some of the darkest Dirtiest subjects. Stuff. And he said when he started doing that, it just yeah. changed his career. You just become- Because now it's, that, it's you almost it's get that accessibility. People see you. If you walk out in a t-shirt and ripped jeans, you start talking about what he's talking about. They're like, this is a horrible person. But you have a guy who looks like he's dressed suit. to the nines. Yeah. Now, like I said, you've built that equity. You put a little deposit in the account. They go, oh, look at this nice Mike Well, I'm going to do the and same. Then, Dirty, yep. dark, but wear a suit on stage all the time. Yeah, because right? it's more accessible. They go, they the brain is seeing one thing, but it's hearing another. But at least it gives you that chance to sort of this, give yeah, this, them a this chance. Business guys yeah. talking dirty. Now there's a different range that the, you can make these people laugh from. I exactly. Bet. You've you've deposited here, and so you can withdraw over here. But you can't just walk out and withdraw and go, what the hell's going on? Um, I have a question. Uh, we only got one question from the audience. That's how much... Uh, the Ottawa comedy community wanted to know about uh, their careers. I'm just teasing. I'm taking a shot at them. Well, how but, many but, actual amateurs or comics are on your list of people? Well, I, I put this on the Ottawa comedy group and said, hey, guys, I will have Absolute Comedy Zone here. So if any of you want to okay, ask so any questions. Okay, so it's oh, not I put like it out there. listeners. I put it out there. And I, of course, I asked them again on Wednesday at the draw, too. But um, basically, I did get one question. And I think it's a really good question. It sort of talks about some of the stuff that, that we were touching on was uh, this. Now, I, I told them they would all be anonymous. So I wouldn't tell you who, who wrote in. So they didn't I'll feel, know who it is. Um, well, he, he identifies as Simon. So no, it's not Simon. Uh, hey, Jason, I'm a 20 year old comic and I've been doing stand up for about five months now. Do you think that moving to Toronto for stand up is beneficial for every comic and is it uh, ever too early or too late to move to a bigger city? If so, when and how will I know when the time is right to take that step? I say Toronto, but I'm also an American citizen, so I could potentially move to anywhere in North America if I wanted to as well. Thank you. I think after five months thinking of moving to Toronto is the biggest waste of your time. I think much easier to get bigger, become a middle act out of Ottawa first. Then once you're at least sort of middle level working regularly, either myself or the other club, then think of that decision because moving there, you'll be in a pot of 300 comedians, right? And you'll be at the bottom of that pot because it's, 
it's a pecking order, and well, you know, it takes a little while to get be good in the community here. Right, people who know who you are, because you watch the roast shows that we do in Ottawa and stuff. The comics know who the comics are after three, four years. It yeah. takes about three years something to know you're consistent, that you're good, myself included. So you'll be three years before in any city you start, unless you're so outstanding. Right, I would, I would strongly recommend getting to at least the middle level, or just before you're ready to co-headline in Ottawa, at one of the clubs or in the area. Right, and then. And then, uh, you know, uh, then test the water. Definitely test the waters in other cities. If you have the U.S. Yeah, citizenship, travel. you have the U.S. citizenship, absolutely. Talk to the headliners. See if you can go on tour with them. Do that for a little while. See if that's something you like to do. Do you, do you like being on the road? Right. But moving to Toronto and going back to the bottom of a, of a pot, to me, just makes no sense. Well, I think that's what a lot career. of guys do is they want to get on stage in Toronto and they think that they have to live there. And for me, I've been very lucky. I've, I've, uh, I mean, I haven't gone across the country yet doing stand-up, but I've performed in a lot of different cities. Uh, I've headlined in different cities and I haven't had to move out of Ottawa in order to do that. It's just so cheaper f- to live here too. You can, you know, you can travel. You can do, the only thing you're going to miss Moving that is like there's a lot more open mics, but again, I don't think that makes a lot of the comics better there because now some of the rooms are horrible there. Well, it's yeah, like I said too, I've told people, you know, I go, let's say you move to Toronto and you get on every single night of the week, and now, you know, let's just say six months later, now you have three hours of undeniably A material. What are you going to do with it? I go, having nobody calls you up and says hey how much time you got oh it's not enough yet no, you have to prove that to, uh, yeah. by doing seven doing eight oh, and, and then you doing have 12, to send emails yeah. you have to showcase yeah. you do these that are from all anywhere. things yeah. exactly and that's what i said is for me to move to toronto i would have to have some sort of plan about like if why am i acting, in toronto yeah if you're going there for acting or because you can get some other roles that you're doing or there's some radio you could do or whatever right. for another job fine but for comedy and that's I what think, i say that if you have a plan like that if you're going yeah. for another purpose and if you have some credits too to help you out so if you got a just for laugh show case or if you got a uh, Halifax or some other kind of credit or a TV special or a commercial you're doing or something, then going there might make more sense. Yep. You know, getting there now, if you're at that point where you want to get that and that's your goal is to do television or or radio or, you know, acting or something, then much bigger there if you want to go to acting for sure. Right. Um, Nevada was not, not that good. I think we may have covered this, but just in case there's something that, that you wanted to add, um, in terms of, of up and coming comedians or anything, do you think there's anything that they shouldn't do? I think we've, we've addressed that with some of the stuff that they have, but do you feel like there's anything maybe left out that, that you would say, Hey, avoid doing this or avoid doing that? Um, really, really racy, really, really edgy seems to be everyone seems to be trying that i don't know if that's i think we've been past that point where that's it's almost like trying to defibrillate a laugh out of someone you just you, know, you want to shock a laugh out of them instead yeah. of just making them laugh a lot of young especially young women and and younger guys tend to be a little bit dirtier i think dirty's bad and, I'm, and again by the way i'm not saying dirty's bad i'm just saying all dirty have variety in your set right if you're if you're all dirty you're not versatile if you're all clean same thing so a little bit of everything works well if, you, that, if you're clean that's all you want to do great if you're dirty that's all you want to do but it's harder to book someone who's all clean or all dirty now this question i think that this might be something that uh maybe some of the more seasoned comics if i have any of those listeners um would want to know um it might be a little tougher too to answer but i i thought i'd ask you about it because i think there are some people who'd like to know is um you've got a lot of loyalty to a lot of comedians no names or anything like that but there's guys who as I mentioned before, you know, you see a lot of people coming up, but then there's people dropping off on the back end, you know, and over time I've seen you struggle with booking some people. Um, and I mean, struggle in the sense that, you know, guys, guys have gone from, uh, a rotation to B rotation. So for people who don't know, Jason has an A rotation where it's about eight to, to 12 months where he'll have a comedian back. There's a B rotation where they're here like once every year and a half. And then, you know, so on down the list, there's also guys who'll go from headlining to hosting or featuring, 
Um, you know what I mean? So, so basically my question, uh, and at that, I mean, the truth of the matter is there's some people who just haven't been back. We've had them and they've got, you know, they were regulars and they got to a point where you couldn't have them back. So I, I want to say as much as I see you develop new people, uh, do you see, you know, you do see some people degrade and whatnot. And of course people you care about. So how do you manage to make that tough decision? That's obviously necessary for business because you can't, you can't pick. I think, you know, the part of the answer to this, obviously I have to, my own subject, subjectiveness, obviously I have to be, I have to try to be ob- objective as possible. There's people I like, right. That may not do as good and they're, they're working for me, but that's going to happen in any club you're working in. Mm-hmm. They're going to, if you, if the owner likes you, you're going to be working there. Right. Right. People I don't like, but are outstanding comics. Right. Bottom course. line is if I'm, if I'm thinking or the feeling, the general feeling of a club is by like the staff and the management and everyone saying this guy's got to go or he's got to be, he's not doing well. I can always be objective by looking at the comic cards. Right. And then we were talking about that right off the top yeah. is we have the comic cards in the club yeah. and that's almost, do you find that sometimes if you're just feeling like, like I'm on the fence, a tough to sit, do you feel yeah. like sometimes the they comic, just, yeah. they take the glasses off and they sort of show you what's out there. Yeah. Kind of thing? Cause you gotta go, well, this guy got twos and ones and twos and some of the comments, the whole headliner was horrible. And if I get three or four of those a night, that's mm-hmm. an indication. Now, if it's one night out of seven, that could be a shitty night. But if it's every single night, twos and threes and the MC in the middle act, are destroying them. That's I, I can give them the option. Listen, your scorecard's got to go up for next time, or yeah. you're going to be you're, you'll be back in a different position, or you won't be back. And you've told me too that there's guys who've who've basically said, "Hey, you got to you got to give me a promotion. I'm ready." And you've used the comment cards. You said yeah. you go grab those comment cards. And Which you day did me. you kill on this night? And I said, "All right, what day? The early show Saturday? Okay, you killed all night." So I saw a four here. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm, I killed him a four. Well, then, oh, I got a one here. I got a negative one. I got a zero on one of the cards. Right. And the guy, how do you know that's me? Well, you just took the five. How do you know the zero is not you? Yeah, right? exactly. So, well, like, this is, you know those are your zero. Like, you are the host. How do you not accept yeah. the, the, the... And the bottom line at the end of that, it was perfect. Exactly how I thought. That comic polarized the crowd. It did right. very well with some of the audience, but did very poorly with other parts of the audience. I can't book someone to headline who that hit, who alienates half the audience. That's impossible. Right. I'll lose half my crowd. Right. They and got, that's the they thing. got to do and, good with 90%. And that's something, too. If I, could, if I could mention this back to what we were talking about, what's something that maybe people who are new to comedy, because when you're new to comedy, it's kind of like a hobby. You're not getting paid for it yet. It's a lot of fun. You're drinking. You're, you're cracking jokes with other funny people. It feels kind of like a clubhouse. But one of the things that I suggest to to newer comics once they start to put their head on a well, I want to move forward is remember that the comedy club is a business. As much as it's fun and 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 a hobby for you, it's a business. So when you go on stage and if you you know upset the audience or you got to think, well, am I going to do something that's going to make people not come back? And if I'm doing something that's losing this person business, You're what value do I bring yeah. to this business? You're not going to come back because that the person wants you to make sure those people yeah. are coming back. Now you got to do that within what you do. You also can't. You have to kiss the audience ass just a bit. Of course. But what the owner, what the club, whatever club you're in, you have to do what they want as there well. There is the stage equivalent of, of, good afternoon, sir. How can I help you today? There's that that retail courtesy. There is a stage version of that, and that's being polite to the audience. Not telling them to go fuck themselves. Yeah, that comes with the on and off stage thing, too. Of course. Right? you got to be funny on stage number one. Of course, absolutely. But the idea is anytime, anytime you are going to ask uh, any club owner or anyone in the industry of, of entertainment, as soon as you go, hey, I want you to give me this opportunity, you got to think to yourself, what am I going to be giving back to this business? Why should they pick me over anyone else? So if I if I had an okay set and the guy who was right before me had a great set, why should he pick me over that guy? Maybe instead of asking for the opportunity, if you're not ready for it, is, is get to yourself where you're undeniable. You are, 
you know, uh, you know that if they put you on their their show for the weekend, you are going to make people laugh. Customers are going to have a great time. They're going to they're going to stick around. Taking your own ego home. out of this and being trying to be objective yourself. That's right. Okay, how did I do? Record the person before and after you. Because it is a business at the end yeah. of the day. So like that's that's why I say anytime you treat it with that respect. Yes, it's fun, but it is a business for them, and I'm asking a business person for something. So just just if you always have that in the back of your mind, what can I give them back? Then, uh, then that helps too. Um, I was going to ask you too. What's your booking process? What do you mean? Well, just in the sense that, like I said, you're you're not like most of what we were talking about today was the the amateur stuff. But you you aren't just dealing with amateurs, which are of course the the biggest pool of comedians to pick from. You've got hosts, medals, headliners. Usually, usually the comics call me. They'll, yeah. they'll call me, email me when they're they think they're ready to to book. Uh, there's some favorites I have that I call. You know, on a regular basis, once I see they haven't been here in a year, right? You know, in six, six, eight months. But I usually tell the guys to call me. You're on my. I tell them after the week, you're on my A rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, how it works is, uh, you're here now. It's now. Let's say it's June. You're gonna give me a call in about eight, seven, eight or nine months in that area, right? And I'll get you on the next rotation. I usually book about three months in advance. And if it's a comic you haven't heard of before, because you do get new people asking to be on, what do you like to see? So if anyone listens to this and they yeah. go, I haven't been able to get an absolute comic. Yeah, there has what? to be references. Comics won't lie about other comics, number one. So I get two references from two comics. In the positive, you mean. Yes. <laughs> they will definitely lie in the negative. Oh, yeah, but, but uh, they, won't, they won't lie. In the, they won't know, boost they the won't guy say, up. Who's yeah, because right. like, they're competing with themselves. Like if, I'm, if a headliner gets another headliner here, it puts his rotation off a week. Right. So why, unless the guy's amazing, why is he going to tell the guy to get in the club with Well, him? not only that, but if they give you a recommendation and it's not true, you'll never believe that person's recommendation again. again. Too, right. yeah. And I won't take from him. And you don't want someone giving you a, a reputation better than what you are. Like, this guy's great, should headline. Meanwhile, right. I see him and he's a middle act. Right, or and then like you know an you can't trust that. I can't, yeah. that guy, what's he lying about? This must be his best friend. Oh, he owes him something. He got him in somewhere else. Right. Comics were, that's one thing when you say never burn a bridge with comics too, right? Because you never know when that person might be able to help you out with something. Absolutely. Say the comic you're with right now is an amateur or a headliner or whatever, and you don't like the guy, whatever, you have a fight with him at a bar, say something stupid about him online or on social media. Yeah. All right. Six years from now, that guy's running his own show. Right. Six years from now, that guy's you know, in LA doing, doing a sitcom, and you, and you used to be friends with him. He can help you get into some club. Well, but one, he doesn't like you because you were a dick to him when you started Absolutely. Out. Well, uh, there's another club that I work for that told me a comic who is spectacular, but he was rude to this other comedian who's the owner as well. He was rude to him. They worked together at West. And then a couple of years later, when he's got a comedy club, he gets an email from this guy who I'm sure has no idea this is the same guy he was rude to. And he just said, no, he was just, I, 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 I won't have him. He was just so insufferable. Um, and this is somebody who I think is very forgiving too. So it's like, it's one of those, like, you never know who the person you're talking to is. I tell people that all the time. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a comedian. I see that as my first and main source of income. When I'm out on the street doing what I do, I can't just be a dick to someone. Did I, did I ever tell you the story when I was in Costco, there's a guy wearing a Leafs hat and I, I saw him walking down the aisle and he was staring at me. And my first instinct was, I didn't know why he was staring at me. And I was going to make a comment about his hat. Hey, sir, you got some shit on your hat. Just a stupid hockey joke. But I didn't. I'm like, there's no need for me to mouth off. I I ran into him in another aisle staring at me. That doesn't sound like you, Jeff. Staring at me. (laughs) Again, I was kind of, I was going to be like, hey, dude, like, is there a fucking problem? Like, why are you staring at me? Again, I chose not to say anything. I'm like, I don't need to start a thing with a friend. And then I finally saw him when I was leaving. Uh, at the caches, he was two people in front of me at the same cash belt or whatever at Costco. And then he turns and looks at me again. He's staring at me. And I was going to, I was right about to be like, dude, I don't know why. And he goes, absolute comedy. That's where I know you from. Dude, you're so funny. 
And I was Why just are you like, at me for and that? I was well. I think he was maybe trying to re- think of where he recognized because yeah, you don't from. know if he knows you from. But from the thing work, was, from, from if I had mouthed off to from... him, I guarantee in that building, probably shy of the staff that knows me, I bet you in that building right now, of all the people who are shopping there, he's probably the only one who recognized me from stand up. And I, if I had gone with my instinct of just hey, tell him, tell him off because he's staring at you, that would have been a guy who now noticed me as a comic and will always remember that I was a dick to him. Because I was just rude. So yeah, but you're you're like that. You could joke with him the way you could, I could without joke, really. But if him I, off. but part of me was going, why is this guy staring me? So I, I, I was gonna, I make a snide comment. And but isn't this why you wanted to do this business so that someone does recognize you one day at the mall? Of and course, says, hey, you're doing a great job. Yeah, uh, and that's what I'm saying. But when you're early on and you're not used to it, that's why I say like any any opportunity you have to interact with a stranger, keep in mind too. Like I tell you guys that yes, it's a, a hobby, but think of it as a business. You, if you want to be a professional stand up comedian, that means you are your product. So when you're walking around the street, anybody that you're rude to or not polite or polite to, they will remember you. The nicer you are to someone, if they go, oh, you're doing a show, I'd love to come see. It. Like remember that you're always representing yourself. Um. I've got just a couple of questions for you left. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, Jay, you uh, you know, are, I almost put when I was doing this interview, you were a former comedian. So I was going to say, you in the last couple of years have stopped performing, and I wanted to ask why. I just, I just, I just you know what, honestly, uh, just, I don't like performing in other than my own club now. It's just hard. I, I find it hard to perform because I'm so picky about the audience and everything else. I was out in Western Canada, and I was counting the shows down because... The way he would seat people, like I'm doing a show in front of 40 people, and they're all spread over the place. It was just, it was hard. It was work. It mm-hmm. used to be fun, and you know what? And when it's not fun anymore, you don't want to do it. And I still, I don't, I think I was still good at it. So it wasn't because I was getting bad. You know, I was, I wasn't writing new stuff because I wasn't on tour as much anymore, too. So, right. so, and I, I was getting kind of stuck in my old jokes, which I liked, and anything new would take. I wouldn't work on them enough to make them to the same level as my older material. So I was getting to the point where, you know, why am I doing this for? other than for myself, mm-hmm. right? And then driving with Guido Cocomelo to Toronto when we were co-headlining together, I let him co with me. And uh, just his energy, how he's moving to LA and what he wants to do with this and how this is his life and he lives for it and bre- breathes and sleeps it. Yeah. And I go, that's what I used to be, right? Let's give this to some other people. You know what? And I do like to do it. I, you know, me opening up my networking opens up spots for other people to do it too. Right, right. And so I think I'm, a- and I was a very good comic, but I think I'm, I'm an outstanding club owner. So, so I think I could do what I do really, really well. And I can make more money. Cause honestly, it made no, no sense to go. I was, I was getting to the point in my career too, where I was getting called to do gigs. I was getting mm-hmm. called from Montreal to headline in Rochester out, out West and, and, and some other one nighters and other options that I had. I got my copy now just before I, just right. after. Yeah. I, and that's, a, that's a too. big milestone. Some big too. things, which was, and I got, I didn't even apply for it. Someone just saw me and said, you got to do this. How the hell did I not see a tape from me? That kind of stuff. So it was yeah. a point in my career. I was doing very well. Reasonable respect from the comics. You know, not great. I mean, that was the way I'm the best comic on my roster, but in a way I was the worst. All right. Mm. But I was getting calls for gigs, but I, I would do them. I would make so little money doing them, and I would be so stressed out being away from the club and other stuff, right. especially when I got the Kingston Club was probably the the big kick. Yeah. That's two clubs I could handle. I was fine. Well, you had done, club become, you'd done Call Me Now that year, and now we're opening another club. So it was yeah. kind of like the time resource. Yeah, going and from. you need to focus on your comedy. You have to write. You have to take that afternoon off where you just think of nothing and get ready for that show, where I couldn't right. do that anymore because I had the clubs to think of, the phone to ring on the way to a gig. And I, I remember being headlining in Toronto and I had to cancel my headline. I gave my spot to, to the two middle acts because there was some stress in the show, showroom. Yeah. And I couldn't, I just couldn't focus and do my act with a happy, smiley face anymore. Yeah. 
right? <laughs> well, it's and but that's at least at least it goes back to just for example, right? Because when you were saying earlier about how you know people who who want to do it just for fun or whatever, that's fine. But if you're really not going to take it that seriously, try like the the primo spots and the stuff that someone else is going to take and use for their career, stand aside. So I mean, just to take the opportunity. Yeah, what else am I going to do? I got just for laughs. I've got all the festivals that I can do. A couple. I got you know I had comedy now the biggest thing you could do in can at the time right i'm not moving to the states unless someone asked me well you and got I'm three not, clubs to run how are you going to move yeah, to the states and, 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 and pay not living in a cardboard box for three months doing showcases no i'm not going to do that so but it's a good example but i love of, the guys that do that great for them good do that now when you're young when you have the energy to do it right do it when you but get good first then do that <laughs> well like it's but it's a, i just the, to show the credit of it's it's you're not saying hey quit comedy if you're not you're practicing what you preach so it's something advice that you're giving but you're also living it too which gives more to that just to, to, to really say you know like if you're gonna live and breathe it live and breathe it if you're not then then don't destroy the opportunity that, that someone, someone else, else yeah. can take and, and make it of it and that's that spot that you take as as headliner or host or one-nighters or whatever so um as much as it disappoints me because I, I mean we're friends and i i bust your balls yeah, all the time and, and the one-nighters too i was excellent at them i was excellent mc too i'd love you know be able to do that just once in a while but i'm just not writing enough during the week to to get that extra little five, six minutes a year, that just makes you happy of that extra material. Because the headliner, most of them write five to 10 minutes of new material a year. And right. they incorporate it somewhere, or they'll change a joke, whatever. I was just doing for the last year, just my same stuff. And once I did it in comedy now, I kind of wanted to retire it. Right. And I don't know if I want to go back yeah, and do the Jerry Seinfeld thing and do another hour. Right. Right? Not right now. I occasionally write some stuff down. I'm not saying never. I'm just saying not for now. I just, too stressed to do this properly. Right. And confidently, you know? Um, I wanted to ask you uh, what, not who. So in terms of the question is, uh, what are your favorite comedians? So not looking for names, but more maybe style. Because as the booker, you are still going to lean more towards that I work the or comedians like. in, in the world. Just just a, a, like, you know, you got, for example, like Jeff Dunham is a ventriloquist. I wouldn't necessarily, I'd call him an entertainer. Not yeah, he's an entertainer. But, but, he, but I mean, like, there's, I, I there's high energy yeah. guys. There's, yeah, I love there's Jeff, cerebral I love Jeff guys. Dunham. Yeah, I love Jeff Dunham, by the way, but he's not, no, not for everybody. But he's not a comic to me. He's, right. he's an entertainer. There's guys who are like more storyteller comics. There's yeah, the short I, I like, I like guys. personally the more high energy stuff. Like I love Robin Williams was my favorite. You know, uh, Chris Rock cracks me up if you're talking big names guys yeah the best comic now right now has to be bill burr for sure but i just don't think yeah, he's, he's as pop too. he's a comics comic more than a mainstream a comics that we work regularly i mean you don't have to name if you don't want oh, no, if you I mean, want I, to you're I, welcome i just to. said in another movie i mean um ryan belville i think i think should be in canada should be way more famous than he is i think he's the best comic one of the best comics in the world in my opinion he's so funny um, you know, tricks works for us too. It's outstanding. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many guys that are just looking different styles. I mean, Kate Davis too, still writing, still funny, an older comic, female, great. Uh, Mike Danber, outstanding. You know, but he's sort of you know just talking to the audience, but he's still you know still powerful and strong. Yeah, one of the guys I want to just throw like since we're throwing out names is Guido's uh, going to be famous too. By the way, yeah, Guido's going to so? do something yeah, for yeah. sure. As uh, Trent McClellan, I think is a as an outstanding comedian, very good too. And he just uh, I don't know, I'm sure you know this by now, but he just got uh, got picked up for. Uh, this hour is 22 minutes, so he'll be the newest cast member next year. I'm going to have, he's going to be on the podcast in the, in the next little while. Cool. And he actually came out for me as a, as a middle, as an MC or mm-hmm. middle for me, then headline him. He's so good. I yep. just headline him the next time for sure. Yeah. And he's actually, he's moved to the point where we're talking about, you know, making your own work and opportunities. Yeah, his trends his at the point. Yeah. He, all over the country. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who was telling me that, that like out uh, Newfoundland, Trent's like a rock star. As soon as he announces a show, it sells out 
like theater or media. So everyone wants to be that. You know? Yeah. And so there's just, there's different ways. You do that and you got to write a lot because you got to go next year and do a whole new and get, 45 yeah, give minutes. Something That's different. a lot of writing. Um, and finally, just the last question that I have, unless uh, there's anything that you want to add afterwards, is just, I was going to say, what are your goals or dreams for Absolute Comedy? So not necessarily just the next step, but but just not to put too dark a tone, but, but your legacy. What what do you want Absolute Comedy to, to become before you... I metaphorically would, turn the love, keys over would, to someone else. I would love there to be a, a, a chain across the country that, that I would, I would see it. Honestly, I would see like on, on the <laughs> Ottawa senators center ice, like brought to you by absolute comedy. Whereas I had enough money to, and the company was that big that it could be across Canada type advertising, like, yeah. like a McDonald's or slip country Canada. Like it's something that yeah. big enough that you can do. You have one in every city. That's that'd, be, cool. that'd be really cool to have that. And then have the comics that be able to work guys across this country, like the whole year for me. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Like six months straight, then they could do six months on their own, you know, whatever. That'd be great. I'd do that. Anything uh anything short term? Uh we just gotta get through the summer. Summer's a hottest part for all three clubs. So summers are busy but not a lot of revenue. So the summer's gonna be tight. Last summer was one of the hardest summers I've ever had. Yeah. In my career. Hottest uh, like heat or, or no, the or, hardest. Oh hardest. Sorry, apologies. Yeah. Very tough with all three clubs. So like, you know, Blue Jays made the playoffs, the Raptors in the playoffs. Then, then there was a beautiful summer. Every single weekend was gorgeous. So people stay, you know, stay and make plans when it's, when they know it's going to be beautiful out. So they're not indoors as much. So your revenues are down by 25, 30%. Yeah. And I think all clubs suffer in the summer other than really Southern states. People go inside because it's so damn hot. But here, that, that's just getting through the summer and getting back to, it's getting your finances back in order so we can re-kick, re-kick this again. In the yeah, fall absolutely. Um, do this properly again. You know? So just, just, uh, you know, another reminder to everybody that, uh, that absolute comedy is, is one of the, uh, the, the partners and sponsors of the one man podcast. So I do want to say thank you for, for getting behind this project of mine. And, and of course, for all the other things that you've done to, to help myself, the comedy community, all those, all those fun things. Um, I'm trying to bug Jay. I want, I kind of want to put him on the spot for something. I appreciate my listeners. I, I bugged Jay for uh, maybe at Christmas time, uh, giving away a season pass for uh, for somebody, one of our listeners around Christmas time, uh, a pass that would be good depending on where the winner is from. So we have clubs in Kingston, Toronto, and Ottawa. It won't be one for each club. It'll be one for one of the clubs that's closest to you. Um, give the season pass away for the summer up to the end of September if you okay, want. Okay, there you go. Away. That's something we can give away at Christmas time. Or do you want to give it away, away now? You, you want to give, give it away, away now? Something now like an unlimited pass they can use for... The summer up until the end of September. Okay. Is it good for two? Two for people? Two people. There you go. So we, we have a season pass, guys. So uh, contact at onemanpodcast.com. Let me know what city you're closest to, Toronto, Kingston, or Ottawa. And uh, this is a pass that's good for two people, basically, for any show that, that, that you can make it out to. Obviously, reservations and such acquire. Everything's on the pass. But uh, we can give that to, to someone, get an opportunity, get out, uh, tell your friends, bring a different friend every time. You know what I mean? Just to show people what we're doing here. Um, we do appreciate that. Check out absolutecomedy.ca, guys, to find out the lineups and everything. Um, if and you're come a fan, support the uh, the Premier Comic Competition in Ottawa and in Toronto, by the way, as that's well. right. Toronto, Toronto is Tuesday, that. Wednesday, and Thursday, yeah. not Monday, Tuesday, so, Wednesday, like Ottawa. Yeah, every okay. yeah, beginning of the week, uh, all months, all weeks in July, and then the finals are the first week of August. Yeah, at both clubs. Um, and and keep in mind too, guys, if you're looking for a great night out, dinner and show packages are available. We do staff parties either in house or uh, abroad. All the information, uh, absolute comedy. .ca. 
and uh, there'll be more updates because uh, they are partners. So you'll hear uh, whatever's going on. I will I will plug you on the regular uh, one man podcast. So you know what's going on. Um, like I said, check out the website. Uh, like Absolute Comedy on Facebook. Follow Absolute uh, Ottawa, Toronto, or Kingston. Each have their own Twitter accounts. So yeah, I mean, uh, really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk about uh, you know your history, Jay. And now we never have to do this. <laughs> Now everybody knows. <laughs> now everybody knows. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. It's been a long episode, but we appreciate you, you know, sort of bearing with us. And uh, now you know a little bit more about the uh, the man behind the scenes. Thanks uh, for talking with me, Jay. See you later. <laughs>